Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. Welcome to yet another episode of Unmuted. Thanks for tuning in. Khaled, Joy, Roxanne, Judy, Vasily, Amartasim, uh, everyone's in the house. Thank you guys so much for uh, for tuning in live. Um, if you're new here, my name is Adnan, and on the show we talk about inspiration, motivation, and all things creative with a bunch of interesting people from around the world, and that includes you. So if you're tuning in live, make sure you join the comments. Any questions you have, anything you have to say, my guest and I will respond to it live as the episode goes on, so it airs. Um, before we get into things, I want to give a massive shout out to these guys, uh, my patrons, the the people supporting the show. These are the guys that make this possible three times a week. Um, and I want to name drop a few: um, Ahmed, Liz, Tammy, Khalid, Dana, and Jamal. These guys unlocked the beast mode uh, over on Patreon. And um, if you're watching and uh, you want to support the show, you're interested in uh, in supporting the show any way you can check out the link in the description it takes you to a patreon page there are a couple of uh, packages there uh, for you to check out um if you're willing and able of course but if you're not um and that's not your thing you can uh, you know just give us a like and a share that stuff goes a long way for an internet show believe me spreading the word uh you know generates a lot of uh, a lot of interest and uh, speaking of generating interest see that little white thing over there that's that's how much we have left to hit the 6k mark which is insane it's amazing so if you have any friends that you think would uh like this kind of content this this kind of show make sure you invite them to the page invite them to the stream bring them over let's grow the tribe together um but yeah we're um we're gonna introduce my guest my guest is romario fernando is a is a musician an audio engineer is in um, a punk band here called Fat Randall, and he's been a part of the music scene for a very long time. He's one of those DIY guys that I always reference when I talk about the scene, and uh, he's got a lot of uh, of knowledge and a lot of experience working with bands from you know a band playing in front of five people downtown uh, Dubai to doing audio for Sepultura in Spain in front of thousands and thousands of people. So it's going to be an interesting show. Buckle up! Thank you guys for sharing. Thank you guys for. Uh, for tuning in um bruno's watching from brazil what's up bruno john baker uh, says it has been a crazy busy for me in the past two weeks it's great to tune in again thank you so much john baker and glad you can tune in um who else is here roxanne high tribe love peace and hope for all stay, stay strong thank you roxanne judy says hi adnan what's up judy uh i'm watching from sri lanka thank you so much for tuning in uh where who else is here matasem Hadida Hadida I don't know what that means but I'm sure it's something good <laughs> anyway guys let's hit the intro let's get him in here Romario welcome to the show cheers dude how's it going it's going well how's it going with you yeah not too bad man just uh yeah, the missus just made it back in time to take kid up to bed. So, <laughs> yeah, we were uh, we we were we were right on the on the last minute there. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was it was pretty touch and go. She was like, "I'll be back at nine. It's pretty close, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad you uh, you made it. And uh, for for those that um, you know that you guys know that uh, I'm a I'm a brand new father too. So completely related. As soon as you were telling me like. You know, things were getting a little too tight. I was like, dude, even if you have to, 
you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stall for a while. Don't worry about it. I got this. <laughs> I, yeah, I can yeah, relate. Yeah. It's all good. Like, I've, 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 the TV's still on with this cartoon. So uh, at some point, I might need to disappear and turn that off if it's irritating. That's perfectly fine. Anything you have to do, uh, we're, we're completely flexible on, on unmuted. Uh, Khaled saying, turn him up. All righty. How's that? <laughs> Give me another that soundtrack. Matter? Yeah, yeah, that's much better. Hey, hey, All right. Yeah, all good. Uh, Khaled, Khaled, let us know if uh, if that's better. Uh, uh, Misho's in the house. Have fun, guys. Uh, thank you so much, Misho. Stick around. We're going to be talking about uh, about a bunch of stuff. Um, Parsili is saying how to be a Patreon. Uh, um, there's a link. There's a link in the uh, under the video or over. I don't know where the links are, but in the description of the video. <laughs> um, but let's get into it, man. Um, I always say. I start things these things off by saying I gave you a little intro before the intro, but in mm-hmm. your own words, uh, can you introduce yourself to the tribe? Um, well, I'm Romario Fernando, uh, Sri Lankan kid, born and raised in Dubai. I uh, lived here my whole life, 31 years now. Um, I do live sound for a living. I play in a punk band called Fat Randall, um, and yeah, I'm I'm a dad. You know, see like my kids. Two years old in August. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I I want to ask why do because uh, I've had that reaction before. The the like ugh, whenever I say introduce yourself, <laughs> what what is that? Why do people not like introducing themselves? I I think it's because uh, you're kind of on the spot and you don't like I haven't I hadn't really thought it through, so I was like, how would I introduce myself? Hmm. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's probably why. And I'm just like, you know, what do I say about myself? I am um, the sound guy. Mm, I'm a, <laughs> yeah, I'm playing a band. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a crazy, uh, a crazy little while for for people that do both of those things: play music and and work in events, work sound. Yeah, um, man. Yeah. How uh, I know I I don't want to start off on. On like everything everything's shit right now but um how have you just been coping with the with the current status the current environment the current kind of thing that's happening just just focusing on other things man like i mean the thing is if you're gonna sit home and focus on the fact that you don't have work that you you know you can't be playing shows you know like you're gonna you're gonna hit like a point of depression you know like but like i, I did kind of want to take a step back anyway to spend more time at home because as you know like as a dad like the kids changing like every day you know like there's always something new that they're doing always something new that they're saying um so yeah i kind of wanted to to have that opportunity to see him grow day to day and change day to day because you know like what's the point you know like if you're just going to be working the whole time you know like their lives pass you by and like you only really live once right so yeah, I mean, you know, I've been focusing on other things. Like, I've been writing music, uh, working on the, you know, like new songs for a new album with Fat Randall. Um, you know, reading. You know, <laughs> I haven't had time to read in years. Uh, learning to cook some more things. Um, you know, wow, just that's, doing... that's 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 a rap sheet there, dude. <laughs> yeah. There's a bunch. Of... <laughs> There's yeah. a bunch of stuff on there. I I tried cooking. <laughs> but uh, but was kicked out of the kitchen very very quickly. Dude, you know what, man? Like, if you never try, like, you'll never learn, right? Like, that's that's kind of 
you know the ethos of like you know putting yourself into a situation that you know you're not sure of and like in fairness like like my mom would attest to this i think she's she's watching this uh like i i couldn't cook until like you know three four years ago and uh so you know when i started dating vanessa uh she was like oh, well you've got to cook something for dinner tonight <laughs> so you know i mean i still i still follow the recipes and and just do that like i don't i don't know stuff off the top of my head for the most part but oh, yeah. i mean the, the, yeah. even the little i know it's got to be it's got to be spelled out yeah yeah like in in, I mean, ma- in massive detail and i follow it to a t and yeah. that's how that's the only thing i've ever done those people that go like it needs more salt i i don't know how the how that happens like i don't know how people it only ask for one teaspoon on the recipe that's all. yeah exactly <laughs> as long as it's edible right like that's that's all i thought exactly <laughs> um i'm gonna jump into the comments real quick here the tribe is uh is turning up um john baker saying shit sound for sepultura crazy can't wait to hear about that roots bloody roots yeah dude it's uh kind of a crazy story john baker um Khaled Tamimi yeah. is saying much better uh Misho's in the house he says Khaled is the Karen of this podcast <laughs> uh, Karen that's funny. yeah that's uh, that's great that's funny um uh, anyone who worked with Sepultura is a legend from Persil I uh, I completely agree and uh we're gonna get into that story but um uh Khaled's also saying uh because it's awkward uh it's awkward as fuck without sounding like a pompous prick that's i guess when uh we were talking about uh how to introduce yourself why everyone finds it so awkward yeah yeah because i mean when you i guess when you introduce yourself like you're listing out like things that you do and all your achievements <laughs> and all that stuff you're just like it, it, it kind of feels it? a little bit like uh, you know those instagram bios that you see where it's like uh number one on you know whatever it is like the number yeah, one yeah. on itunes top 50 bestsellers and it, yeah. it's just it lists all your achievements you can't really say that re- like just <laughs> sitting around having a conversation you know what guys i've got the number one bestseller i'm number two on the chart and yeah <laughs> well i mean if you if you go onto my instagram like i i don't have a bio there as far as i'm aware because i couldn't think of what to put on there and it's just like you know the like the text version of introducing yourself in real life. As someone that's uh, that's consulted people on social media, you have one of the weakest Instagram games I've ever seen. <laughs> you you post so irregularly to a oh, point man, where, yeah. like, I forgot your handle. I didn't realize you had an Instagram page. It was <laughs> it was man, pretty bad. You know you know what it is though. It's just like it's trying to keep my interest in it because like i i ran fat randall's social media for you know for a couple of years and i found myself sitting on my phone uh quite a lot you know replying to people and like thinking of what content to put up next and i just got bored i was like okay can somebody else take over now and like <laughs> yeah and, you know <laughs> so when i've got stuff to post about i post about it and i but you know we're not doing anything like they're not going to post a photo of like, oh, look at the dining table we bought today. <laughs> Especially now, man. I've, I've been finding like, even just people that uh, regularly post on social media, they're they're slowing down because you, you're no one's doing anything. Not, yeah, no man. one's doing yeah. much anyway. And yeah. uh, there's only so many corners in the house you can set up a little photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, this, this is exactly it, man. And uh, yeah, anyway, and, and again, like it just comes back to that point of taking a step back and you know just being more in the moment with you know the family and stuff like 
so yeah man it's um like you know I, like I, I do tend to even well when work's busy like you know what it, what it's like people are constantly contacting you you know whatsapp or whatever yeah and you're there's always a constant back and forth with your clients so um yeah i mean it's nice to have like some downtime now i think like and you know it's it's obviously been what two and a half months now since we we've, we've gone into lockdown yeah um but you know i mean I've, i'm not i'm not really thought about it um like i've only been out the house for for like you know shopping and stuff like not really for anything else um yes yeah, just living plain old boring life man <laughs> yeah i um i have a bunch of friends that don't have kids and the stuff the the you know the updates i get like oh yo we just finished four different series and we watched six different foreign films and we're we're catching up on all this stuff and i'm like dude i think i watched like half an episode of the philip defranco show <laughs> which is <laughs> which is 10 minutes <laughs> in total oh, and that, that's basically like, I, all I, in fairness in fairness i have i have watched a couple of series and i've played my playstation as well so there is that like <laughs> i should put that out there just in case anyone thinks i'm not doing anything else but... uh, i'm gonna jump back into the comments real quick before we uh I want to. I want to know the the story. I've actually never heard the story of how you got into all this uh, stuff. Um, but uh, we're, we're they're still talking about the um, the food, the cooking. So Khaled Tamim saying pour, pouring waddles into pour waddle. Wow, pour <laughs> water into noodles. That was. I don't know why that was a tongue twister. It really wasn't. But, um, <laughs> I think my brain was thinking of how to do it instead of just yeah, yeah, reading yeah. the words. <laughs> well, that, that was my uh, that was my go to uh, meal when I was about nineteen or twenty, and like all I used to do oh, yeah. was, was game. Like, and I was just like, "Well, what? I don't know how to make anything else." You know, run down to a little shop, get some instant noodles, put some water on it, and like <laughs> it worked. It was you it, know, it was amazing. That was yeah, all you needed. It was great. Um, yeah. And an actual chef is in the house, Ben Monroe. He says, "Let's do a cooking show, Adnan." Yes, yes, I am down, Ben. If if you hit me up uh, and you say you want to do a cooking show, I'm 100% down. Let's do it. And uh, we'll talk after this show. Uh, Khaltamim says, also, I'm back in the comments, mofos. Yes, you are. Uh, and Wadia, another chef, uh, all the way from South Africa, says, guys, I'm starting an online Zoom cooking class. A cooking class soon would be so cool if you joined in. Uh, Wadia, hit me up with a link and uh, or, or even film yourself. Uh, just... Uh, saying what you're gonna do and we'll post it on this page we'll get the tribe to check it out um yeah absolutely we'll absolutely uh, join that sounds awesome yeah um uh, Muhammad Jabir is in the house he says that's not that's Josh not Romario <laughs> that's funny <laughs> since 2005 man since 2005 <laughs> that's been the ongoing joke um, oh, and for God. those of you that tuned into Josh's episode this is the guy we were talking about uh that apparently it looks like josh and uh i've made the mistake i'm i'm pretty sure a lot of people have especially when you guys when you had the long hair oh man you know what like um with me and josh weirdly we've we've had very similar hairstyles that in pretty much the same you know time frame like <laughs> yeah. there was a like I, I don't know if josh remembers this i mean i wasn't i wasn't really a, a huge part of the scene um you know you know like during my teens and stuff like i used to go to gigs every every now and again but you know it was all dependent because i used to live in jebel ali at the time and the only way to get down to gig was like jumping on a on, on a bus or like three buses to get to the gig so whenever whenever you know like 
time permitted or I had you know the money put away I used to get down to a gig but uh, Josh's two bandmates in Decoy Death Trap uh, Jeevan and Paolo were my classmates in school and uh, I ended up at Josh's house during one of the rehearsals and Sari screaming through a microphone plugged into an amplifier I was like you know that was some hectic <laughs> stuff like but we, you know we, we used to have like our Hobbit afros for a while yeah and I, then, I remember those yeah, then we had uh, dreadlocks, pretty much the same same like period of time. Uh, cut our dreadlocks, pretty much the same period of time. Grew our hair back out, and then I mean he's kept his, but like I, I chopped mine off, man. Like I just got tired of it, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing how you guys were from the same like it's a, a scene of thirty. Like, yeah, it's, you look exactly the same. Yeah, uh, have Jay- you seen that like that Spider Man meme where they're that both pointing at each other? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty so much good. what it was like. Yeah. Oh, JM's in the house. He says Romario always been there for us, no matter what. Absolutely, he has, one hundred percent. He's been there for uh, for a lot of the scene. And um, uh, Joy is asking, how successful is the punk scene there? Uh, Joy, we're gonna we're gonna jump into the punk scene and and uh, all that stuff in just a little bit. Um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna save it for uh, for when we talk about Fat Randall. Um, I heard. I saw that you said um, just jumping on my break at work, so we'll need to catch most of this on the rerun. I hope you're all safe and well. Thank you so much, Joy, for for jumping in. And uh, since that's the case, if you have any questions, just pile them on, and um, I'll save them for for when the subjects come up. Yeah. Um, I'm Roxanne's asking, uh, what are the COVID numbers in Dubai coming down? I pray. Um, I uh, I'm actually not super caught up. I tried to get away from being glued to the numbers for a while. I don't know uh, what what you've been doing, Romario. Um, I mean, I, I check it every now and again just for just to see, you know, like what it's like. Obviously, you know, we've we've lost friends and stuff to this, man. So it's um, but it's good to see that Dubai has taken it quite seriously, like in terms of testing and stuff like that. So as far as we can tell, like the number of positive cases per test is you know it, it, it looks looks pretty good so and I, I believe Dubai is already peaked and it's on the way down so from a work perspective that's looking good for us for you know kicking off in September yeah. you know just things going back to normal because like as you know man on the on the freelance market it's 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 hard like oh yeah so yeah hopefully and um and we are we are lucky with the with things like uh, the the availability of testing and all that stuff i think um yeah. other countries that don't have don't have the you know the support in terms of like you can just go get tested if you feel some yeah. uh, a certain way yeah um which yeah. which really greatly benefits the the uae for sure yeah man. I, mean, I think it's like something like a quarter of the population that's already been tested which is just insane numbers like yeah um uh, hopefully that answers your question, Roxanne. I know we didn't uh, we didn't get a direct answer, but that's kind of what what we know so far. Um, Matsum's in the house. He says, "Romario, you, you suck." That's not nice. Uh, Ola's in the house. Title, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, Ola. And uh, Yelena's in the house asking, "Which band uh, was the most difficult to work with, local band and international band?" Uh, we'll also get to that question a little later. I kind of want to uh, go through the the journey with Romario here. I just I actually don't know uh, how you got into audio in the first place how what what triggered it in the uh, for you in the first place it was just the um it was just the desire to be involved in music man like uh my my first job out of high school was um 
interning with my best friend at the insurance company that my mom used to work at. So she hooked us up in an internship for like three months and like, you know, we're just going in there like data entry sort of stuff. And I knew then like, you know, that wasn't what I wanted to do, like ever, you know? Um, and at that point, like SAE had just kind of started up in Dubai, but as you know, like anyone who's gone to SAE over here, it's it's pretty expensive, like, you know, for, for a year, you're talking like loads of cash. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I was, I was fortunate to be able to, to go there for a year some work out of that and stuff like that and then um i think it was 2014 because i mean I didn't, I didn't get a visa through that and that was like the hardest part as you know like you know because i'm yeah as a as a sri lankan like i can't run out to the border and, and come back in you know i've got to exit the country stay out the country get a new visa come back in and it's uh which is much- something uh, not a lot of people know by the way a lot of people outside the uae and we've had this conversation with the tribe before um even khalid on the last episode was explaining his his issues with visa and stuff like that not a lot mm-hmm. of people know just how hard it is to actually live here yeah yeah i mean there's <laughs> a lot of there's a lot of like i mean there can there can be a lot of red tape if yeah. you if you find yourself in a you know tough position but basically, um, you you can't stay here unless you're working with a work visa or studying yeah. with a student visa, and mm-hmm. or, or or born here and uh, a local. That's basically your yeah, three options. Yeah. There's no like yeah. uh, I'm chilling in Dubai for a year. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have the passport, like you you, you don't technically belong. Um, yeah. I, mean, I, I was I was born here, you know. Like so, I, I've seen I've seen like you know what it's like, you know, and. Um, but yeah, I mean, jumping back to, you know, coming back to like audio and how I got into it, like, um, I was fortunate, like my dad had met somebody um, at some point and he was like, phone this number. <laughs> uh, and it was, uh, it was basically one of the guys um, at my, at the first, you know, live audio company that I worked for, which is uh, Almo. And, um, you know, I'd gone in for an interview and stuff like that, you know, got the gig, um, and man, I was thrown in the deep end like like crazy. It's like it's one of those things like you know you don't know what you're doing until you get hands on with it. Um, because you know, I mean, I did I did my year at SAE like you know studio consoles and like you know recording and all that stuff, but live sounds a completely different animal, um, and it's still like you know instantaneous like the way you need to react to things and make things happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember my first gig was setting up a setting up a dj uh like on yas island and you know for the life of me i didn't know how to how to get it all hooked up so i'm sitting there in the warehouse and like a guy showed me and i've got my notebook with my notes going like that's how you plug a speaker in so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you know so um, it's, it's amazing when you look back at your first anything and just way down the line a couple of years down the line you're like god damn how did they even give me that job yeah man you know and but I mean, I mean, fortunately, I think they they did see, you know, sort of desire to grow, you know. Um, so they kept me on. Uh, did that for three and a half years, and then the position of the music room opened up um, when Munsef was leaving. Rest in peace, music room. Oh man, yeah, it's a, it's a, what an institution, man. Like so many great memories. Like I was only there for a year and a half, but like part of the motivation for joining the music room was because I wanted to help the scene you know uh, obviously you know you there's more like work opportunities like a different working culture um, you know working with bands all the time but yeah 
I, I knew the you know the sheer amount of of local bands that were coming through there, and I was like, you know, this is this is what like I want to do. Like like I said earlier, I wasn't heavily involved in the music scene from you know when it kicked off in like the early two thousands to you know like mid like twenty tens. You know, like so I was like, you know, this it's it was such a big part of my life. Um, you know, kind of being involved in music and wanting that to be a part of my life that you know i took that step and you know it's it's led me here and you know obviously sapotero which you know still madness like i'm i'm gonna get spacey with you right now where it's it's it might be a bit too early for getting this spacey but um born born in the uae and having uh like fallen in love with the with the music scene and wanting to support it do you feel like you're from here is that something that that you could relate to or is it just where you live definitely definitely more somewhere i live um because i know i know i'll never truly belong um you know like you know like we said earlier the moment you're out of the out of a visa like you just gotta leave you know and yeah. uh you know it's a shame but like you you come to terms with that you know pretty pretty quick and Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely just a place where where I live, but you know, also a place that I want to contribute to, you know, and enhancing in whatever way I can, because it it has, you know, Dubai has given me a lot, like it, yeah, in, like in terms of, of opportunity, like you know, I met my wife here at the music room, and then Rob oh Rob, really, yeah, <laughs> at the music room, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was that. Uh, did you guys play that crazy in the show? The was first it? one, yeah, 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 yeah. So it was it was the night before that awesome <laughs> that's really cool <laughs> oh man yeah that was that was a pretty insane night like um <laughs> so it was like before like it was four bands if i'm not mistaken it was crazy and you guys and a couple other bands and I think so, uh, yeah. uh so basically the previous night there was this french band that was touring through that was you know cool band and stuff um but if you recall there was a house band you know playing five nights a week at the music room And uh, so two of the, you know, two of the members of the house band come check this French band out and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so end of the gig, there's me, like, you, you know, you, you've seen me at the end of the gig, like, you know, cleaning up stage, getting amplifiers off, cables out, like just, you know, I, I was getting prepared for you guys the next day because the jobber was coming in at something like 10 o'clock in the morning and start setting up the drums. And I was like, all right, you know, like smash out these cables, smash out these amps, like let's get cracking. I'm going to go home. This is like, you know, it's been about two o'clock in the morning by this point. Um, and then one of the guys in the house band was like, "Hey man, uh, we're gonna head out to to Rock Bottoms uh, if you want to come for for a beer." And I was like, "Nah, man, I've got four metal bands tomorrow. I'm not, I'm not going out." Like, he's like, and then he laid the whole guilt trip on me. He was like, "Oh man, you never, you never come out for you know a beer. You never, you know, have a drink with us." Sort of thing. Wasn't that the curse of of working in nightlife anyway because yeah, no, when yeah, you're yeah. working it's when everyone's out, out mingling and partying yeah, so you, yeah. you could have never been the, the guy that uh, ever caught up for a beer oh man yeah you know I mean I mean, there were times that I you know I couldn't say no um, you know but <laughs> those, those points where like I could stay in the hotel and stuff and I was just like alright I'll, I'll have a beer with you guys and set up the hotel room and crash there sort of thing man but Yeah, it was it was all a bit mad. Um, so I ended up so basically one of the girls, 
Vanessa's work colleague was uh, went to school with one of the guys in the house band, and they were like, so she was forced. Vanessa was forced to come to the music room, and you know, so we under, like chatted for a bit, went over to Rock Bottoms, chatted for a bit more. Uh, for those of you who live in Dubai, you guys know that above Rock Bottoms, there's the the bar that stays open till five o'clock in the morning, uh, Alibaba's. <laughs> I don't even know that. <laughs> oh my god, man! Yeah, so we ended up at Alibaba's, um, you know, just chatting and chatting, and then uh, Lee, the guy from the house band, was like, "Hey, man, we're going back to our hotel room, we're gonna finish a bottle of wine, you know." And then we just did that, and I think it was—I don't know—I think it was going till about eight or nine in the morning or something. And then, uh, like, I, I chilled out for a few hours, just sobered up, ended up dropping Vanessa off at home, and then. You know, Jabra was in setting up the drums, and I was just like, hey, "I was just man. gonna say." And then, <laughs> and then metal, like, oh my god, twelve hours of metal after yeah. all of that. It it was good, man. Like you know, I was like, I was I was pretty zoned out, um, <laughs> trying trying my best, like to, to help Jabra out. And then obviously, Christian came in and soundcheck. They did the whole thing and post soundcheck like uh you know you know like soundchecks usually carried on for quite a while up until like doors opened uh at 6 p.m and uh 6 p.m rolled around bands were done and i was like i went to Mutasim and i'm like bro i'm gonna i'm gonna go get like some sleep in the car and he was like yeah cool man no worries and uh no one could find me like i like i fell asleep i wasn't answering my phone or anything like that and no one could find me and it was something like 7 30 or something um, and then I had the supervisor, Miron, a Sri Lankan guy who worked at the bar. And he found me in the car and he's just like banging on the car door. And he's like, wake up, man, wake up. Like, Mutasan is really angry. I'm like, uh-oh. So I went down and like, I've, I've never had Mutasan angry at me before. And he's like, man, you, you've got Green Day playing on my metal night. Can you change the music? I was like, got you, man. <laughs> um, uh, for, for, for reference, for those that don't know, Mutasan is uh, the guy that runs Metal East Records. And uh, that's the the organization. That's kind of the label that uh, he runs all the shows under. So the band, the the same person that got Sepultura, the same person that got um, Christian. Uh, who else? Uh, God, I'm blanking. There's so many. Um, yeah, most recent was meant to be Lacuna Coil. Most recent through. was supposed to be Lacuna Coil, which uh, which I really want to want to talk to you about. Um, yeah, so so that's that's the the guy he's uh, he's talking about there. But that's such a funny story because from my side, I we didn't I didn't think I I noticed anything. Yeah, well, I mean, I, if, you, if I don't know if you remember, but I think that was was no, it was Khaled drumming for you at that point. But I think Josh yeah, Khaled was. Like, and uh, Tamimi, who's in the comments, guys, uh, just yeah. so you guys know. <laughs> yeah, and there was a point where Josh had come up to the mixer and somebody had taken a photo of the two of us, and we were just like. Twins. <laughs> yeah, I, I think yeah. I still have that photo up on this Vingali page, by the way. Oh, man, like, what a what a because you were wearing you were wearing his Vingali T-shirt at that time. Yeah, yeah. I think this is when you guys came up with, with unscathed and yeah, you doing that run of T-shirts. The was the we, we will conquer T-shirts. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's yeah. jump into the comments real quick. Uh, John is saying must from Bahrain have just dropped their new EP, solid rock sound from the band. Great sound engineering from Hani Taki at Studio Seventy Seven. Check it out on all streaming platforms. Yeah, I just dropped it, lol. Uh, yeah, my dude, I actually um, checked it out uh, yesterday. I think they they dropped it yesterday or the day before, which is super cool. And um, yeah, shout out to to the Bahraini uh, rock and metal scene. Uh, you guys, uh, you guys keep it tight. And I love 
the fact that you uh, you shouted them out on on the show. This is perfect. This is the kind of stuff that I I like to hear, and I think Romario can agree with me. This is the kind of shit that we we, we want to you know push. Absolutely, man. Like it's um, you know, I mean, you and I have had this conversation countless times, you know, about sort of linking up like in the Middle Eastern countries for a tour and stuff like that. It was great when you when you had um, was it Ahmed from Qatar. Uh, Ahmed, uh, yeah, Seth. Uh, yeah, Ahmed Abbas. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was good to see like you know things happen in Qatar, things happening in Bahrain. Like um, you know whether we'll get to link up the scene or not, I don't know. Like I know bands have gone from here to play in Bahrain. Um, the Museland Festival or something like that. Like you know it's like all like indie bands and stuff like that, which is. It's pretty cool. Like it's just yeah. you know, it just needs to happen. Like, um, but you know, we we know it's all down to money and yeah, exactly. It's getting over there. I think once we get over there, it's just just about yeah, hitting the right people up. But um, yeah, uh, Judy in the comments saying Dubai, the home you'll never belong to. So true and so sad. A rock bottom is my definite number two. Um, rest in peace, music room. And uh, Khalid Tamim is saying Alibaba's and rock bottom. Uh, damn that, uh, damn the bullfrogs, lol. Uh, Bruno is saying hi Romario uh, do you know the Brazilian punk rock scene what do you think about the bands from here um, let's actually just jump into the, the punk rock scene from here um, I'll, I'll read off the last couple of comments and then we'll uh, we'll jump into Fat Randall and the punk rock um, yeah. Dahi's in the house thank you so much for tuning in my dude uh, always wanted to fall into that pool he's saying <laughs> Alibaba's <laughs> yeah uh, uh, Sri Lankan amazing country vacation there for 16 days uh, from Judy, I haven't been. I really want to go. Matt, um, I'm saying Romario, the worst employee in Virgin Megastore. Talking from experience, uh, I was his direct manager. Matt, is just throwing a lot of hate uh, all day today. A lot of shade. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, like, uh, like this is a great story as well, man. Like, Matt um, was like, he's one of my like really good friends now. Um, I started working in Virgin Megastore. Well, basically, what had happened was like a few friends of mine and I, just for you know, like shits and giggles, we were like, uh, you know what, let's go drop our CVs because they're hire- hiring interns. So this was after the insurance gig, after I'd you know, messed around for a bit. Yeah. And uh, so we went, we went to. So at that point, the office was near Dara City Center. So we went and dropped off our CVs and uh, I ended up getting a call. I, I guess because I had some previous work experience. <laughs> Uh, and and the guys were like, "Why did you get a call? And why didn't we get a call?" And I was like, "I don't know, you know." <laughs> so I ended up interning at uh, Virgin Mall the Emirates for a month, and basically asking them if they were looking for full timers. And you know, they took me on. Um, and I was I was there for for almost a year and a half, um, but I was I was simultaneously doing SAE and the. Like I was the only employee that was given like special dispensation to do like split work shifts, mm-hmm. so it was, it was it was you know it was a bit, pretty hard run like because we only had the one family car, right? And so uh, I had to be up pretty early, uh, and we'd all you know get in the car, uh, drop my brother off to school, my parents off at work, and then I'd go to Mall the Emirates, and our shift started at nine o'clock in the morning. So uh, you know I'd, I'd maybe try to sneak in like. 15, like a 15 minute nap, go down to work, check in and stuff. And then 1.30 I had to leave because my class was from two to five. And then get back at like 5.30 and finish my shift off at like 
ten, and then come home and do assignments, which is <laughs> which is pretty mad. But that's yeah, that's that's really grind. That's a, a pretty good grind there. Oh man, like I, I think that's where I probably learned, you know, just to kind of keep pushing myself and keep going. You know, I mean, there were points where I was like, I was dead on my feet, and like we used to have like you know sales competitions and stuff like that. Um, with that, someone also tell you that I was the best sales guy at Virgin Mega <laughs> Store. If he's if he's feeling nice, uh, it yeah, doesn't we, seem like it. His uh, has been grinding you in the comments there. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, if I if I hadn't done that gig, if I hadn't met with Hassan, like I wouldn't have got to this point of doing stuff to her, man. So it's uh, you know it's it's amazing how things work. I think at the end of the day. Yeah, man. Um, let's. I want to. I want to jump into that. Um, last couple of comments here. Uh, Serge Lutfi is in the house. Thank you so much for tuning in, my brother. Uh, okay. He says, "Is this a cap challenge?" Yes, it is, and uh, we're both lost. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, how do I, how do I best capture Adnan's likeness for this? And I was like, eh, this you know, what was one of the the best things that happened on the show is uh, when we went, we did Josh's episode. Uh, he tried to mirror my background and his and he yeah. went all out but just the episode before i actually changed it yeah so i have the guitar up instead of hanging and i don't have the lamp anymore and it was so funny he was just sitting there very disappointed like what you know how hard i work to do this <laughs> yeah i remember that episode man that was that was like really funny to see as well and i was i was considering doing something like that and i was like i don't know <laughs> i've got a black guitar we haven't got many real plants in here. The, so. the, the Blondie poster is doing a great job. Yeah, that's uh, that's Vanessa. She's a, she's a pretty massive fan of Blondie as well. So That's awesome. Um, John saying, Adnan, I feel the same way. The Bahraini scene has accepted me and my contributions to the scene. Uh, as you're aware the, of the Bahraini scene is solid. So many people here pushing hard for the region. But beyond that, the entire region is so supportive of each other. No matter the genre, it's amazing. Something I have never experienced. Kudos to the GCC. And uh, he adds, Adnan, let's organize a metal show in Sri Lanka with all the metal bands in the region. Holiday and smash it live with Sri Lankans in some sort of concert. Dude, that sounds amazing. Uh, a party Man, abroad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Sri Lanka's got like a pretty, pretty solid metal scene actually um there's some there's some bands there that have like been around for ages like there's a band called stigmata who've been around for over 20 years like really cool dudes um and they'd come down to the music room for a show but they'd landed you know just kind of probably an hour before their set or like a couple hours before their set so there was no sound check and i just had to mix them on the fly uh but yeah i mean they're they're a really cool band um and you know it's, it's thriving pretty well like I, if i'm not mistaken uh spoken to a few people there and they say like you know you could pull like a thousand people to show there that's you know it's pretty rad like you know i mean coat of arms have obviously played there as well um, yeah. yeah and and they had a great reception there they still have people messaging from that show and that was like yeah. four or five years ago yeah yeah it was, um, it, uh, uh, sorry keep going no i was just gonna say it's just you know i mean the potential for for doing something really cool there is there obviously like i was having a chat with with sepultura as well as we were coming towards the end of that european run and they were like well you know what's it like in sri lanka and i was like mm, you know it's uh, pretty decent you know it's uh, loads of fun um but yeah you know i mean and they were like is there a metal scene and stuff and i'm like yeah man like uh i mean so we've not really pushed to have something happen um but you know i mean i'm like those guys are always keen to you have bands from here go over there and like 
likewise bands from Sri Lanka come over here. It's just finding again, it's down to cost, man. You know, I yeah. mean, flying yeah. bands. If, stuff, like, I, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk a little bit about Fat Randall and your like. Um, feel like you've been on a on a mission, uh, like this uh, DIY mission to. Uh, to get to get the the scene up and running, um, let's start with Fat Randall. How how did that start? What happened? Um, tell me the story because I I still don't know. See, this is the, the beauty of this podcast. There are things I've known you for years. I never asked you, yo, how'd you start the band? Well, I mean that's a that's a whole long story as well. If you're if you know people in the comments and stuff are willing to hear it, um, yeah, I mean go for it. Dig in. That's uh, uh, like uh, give give me the bulk. The, the juice so initially um so i used to be a part part of a church like youth group and stuff like that and like we initially like two of the guys and me were huge fans of you know sort of like the late 90s early 2000s skate pop punk sort of style and you know huge sort of blink 182 uh offspring fans and stuff like that so we we're like you know let's start writing our own music instead of just doing like covers and stuff like that so it was uh, a guy named uh, Mike and uh, Ray who, who you know who drummed for us, and uh, we were initially well, initially we called ourselves Plain Wave. Um, Plain you know, Wave. And, yeah, we're we're cycling through names, man. And at one point, uh, we were considering the Panda Pirate Rebellion. Wow. Uh, just <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it just got you know it got to that point and stuff. Like we were just like, okay, uh, you know, I mean we. we like we were invited to play like a couple of shows at the music room and stuff like that which is cool and it was sort of a mix of doing like covers and originals and stuff like that i and actually uh i wanted to ask you was our first show as vengali um i remember there was a band that pulled out and we Night called Nightmare you yeah. we called yeah. you last minute and you yeah. guys rocked up on the day and and uh, opened that show like just uh, basically like two hours before the show off right it was something really yeah. crazy like that yeah i mean you'd, you'd message because i think you saw you were at the gig at ratsky or something like that yeah and you'd message me and you were like hey man like i we know you guys can play do you guys want to open the show and like you know for, for a punk band opening for like a like a really heavy death metal show like it's uh it, it can it can be like a little bit intimidating but you know we just we just went out there and Dished out some songs, dished out some some banter with with the crowd, and it was probably amazing. made a few people cry. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it was a really fun gig. The the, the silly thing though uh, was that we had two more gigs in two other bars in Bur Dubai, like one one the day after that show with you guys, and one the following week. And I posted on a, on our Facebook like a picture of the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ban, and I was like, "Bird by tour." <laughs> See you guys there. <laughs> I remember that too. Um, um, uh, Khaled's asking; he's always wanted to know who Randall was. That's a that's a great question. So when we when we came up with the name, uh, by this point, so I'd, I'd met Paul. Uh, so Mike had stepped out of the band at that point. And, uh, Let me see I'd if I can Paul. find the album cover while you tell the story. Yeah. Um, so I'd met Paul at Khalifa's house at a party and, and Paul's been like a mainstay in the Dubai music scene for years. He used to play in a, a ska band called uh, the Spark Plugs, which were a, a sick band, you know, like, um, and then he played in a band called, uh, we, we left the skeletons. Yeah. I remember Eric. that band. Um, 
and then but the thing is Paul was based in London uh, he was you know studying guitar at the time and he, he'd come back and we met at a party you know and um, so like I was I was just kind of ranting there saying you know we couldn't take the gig the following week because like our guitarist you know for personal reasons had decided to leave the band and stuff like that and he's like oh and I'll, uh, I'll step in for him and uh, play some guitar and uh, maybe do some backing vocals um, so you know we hit the jam room and uh, you know running through the songs and like one of the songs I was like you know like the the solo is played on sort of like the octaves and stuff like that and just you know I like it, it wasn't how it was originally played and Paul did this thing and like there's Ray and I looking at each other going like yes dude yeah so you know Paul ended up joining the band uh, and a few months later uh, I know Khaled this is a long winded story but uh, yeah a few months later so when Paul lived in well he still does but when he was going to uni there uh, there was a there was a fat cat that used to come into his house and like he kept sort of feeding it like with a stray cat and like he posted a photo, like a photo of this cat, and like it was a massive, massive cat, and he was just like you know, Fat Randall hanging out at our house today, and I was like, that's the band name, you know. And um, but Randall is actually uh, the name of the singer for a band called Lagwagon. Um, like he's called Joey Cape, but like I think Randall's his middle name or his first name or something like that. But yeah, man, like great band as well. Uh, so Paul named the cat Randall after Joey Cape. And yeah, the band's band name stuck ever since. So, I'm uh, I'm getting up. I, I put up the uh, the album cover for Keep It Down. Yeah, but I'm I'm getting the uh, the pink and purple uh, cat. Wait, I'm transitioning into it right now. Yeah, there we go. Um, the pink and, and purple cat that you guys used for the uh, the YouTube uh, cover, kind of the yeah. uh, w- when it's when it's playing the audio. Uh, fat yeah. Randall with extra fat. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the, the Keep It Down was our second EP uh, that we re- released. It's four years now, almost. No, actually, four years uh, today that we released it, or tomorrow actually. It's the fourth too. Um, but yeah, oh, really? I mean, with, yeah, with Extra Fats, our first EP, and uh, I don't know if you know uh, Seb. The, I don't know. Yeah, uh, like he he designed all the artwork for the first one. Then we got like a like an Italian artist to design the second one, which was which was pretty sick. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. What what um, what brain what uh, makes a band name is, is always fascinating because um, I said this before on the podcast. Where, like band names are so stupid. Like you always <laughs> you always think there's some there's some of the dumbest things in the world, but the coolest part about it is that the uh, the music makes the band name cool. Yeah, well, I mean, Plain Wave and Panda Pirate Rebellion. Can you imagine if we recall that? Like, <laughs> oh, man. Um, so yeah, that's hopefully that answers your question, Khaled. Um, uh, always uh, ba- uh, John Baker saying always backing amazing musicians and the scene in Bahrain. Um, uh, Ali Ali's in the house. Ali Square, what's up, Romario? How's it going, dude? Uh, Serge is saying Bedsore is the OG of punk bands in, in Dubai from 1999. Some great bands that have come through here, man. Like, you know, I, I was 99. I was only like 11 years old, so I wasn't even involved in the scene at that point. Like, yeah, that was... just shows how old Surge is. Not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Khan is in the house. Khan, thank you for, so much for tuning in. Um, uh, yeah, man. Um, I think uh, th- th- this is a good space to um, 
to talk about the the actual scene. So you have a band at Randall. Yeah. Um, you have the audio experience. You started working um, different places. You worked at the music room. You you got your experience down, and then you kind of combine the two. That's yeah. kind of where where we met uh, when mm-hmm. you started being like, okay, how do I take this audio stuff that I do and my love for like being in a band and, and local scene and just mm-hmm. kind of make make sure that the local scene gets good audio and, and great venues and um, yeah, it, it, how w- what was the DIY thinking? Is that a punk thing or is that just a Romario grinding thing? Very much so, man. Like I, I think the ethos of like punk and punk scenes probably the world over is that they, they are very DIY sometimes sometimes too DIY to the point where it just doesn't make sense but you know like, <laughs> I've, I've seen some scenes that have yeah. just been you know but it's uh, like it's it's always you know you find a solution you make it happen you know like um, and I think I think that's kind of been I've, I've taken that to heart like you know in my career in my life and stuff like that like you know, don't look for the problems, look for the solutions. Like, you know, that's that's how you get by. That's how you, you know, make things happen for yourself. And, you know, I mean, like, you know what it's like, man. Like, there's there's loads of people that are just going to make excuses. And I wasn't one of those people. Like, I I wanted to have a band that, you know, made it out of Dubai, toured, played some shows. Um, I see you guys moving. Let's do this. Yeah. Here's a little, um, I'm just playing a little clip of you guys playing here in uh, in the UAE. Yeah. Um so, so this this show in particular was something that you put together, um, where we played uh, we played with you guys. We we shared that stage with you, and yeah. it was just a complete DIY approach to it. Yeah. Um, oh man, that was that was a super fun gig, man. And it's uh, obviously we had we had a little bit of funding from Red Bull, um, who were you know obviously very involved with the music scene at that point in time. Um, but as you know, man, like. When you when the costs start mounting up, it's just difficult to you know. I, I tried to keep it uh, in a way where I could give bands a cut of the door money and stuff like that. I mean, you guys remember that, so absolutely. You know, you know, it wasn't it wasn't massive money, but you know, hopefully, may have covered your rehearsals, you know, things like that. Um, you know, I, I think I think what we have like a hundred people through the door, and like all the bands split the door money, um, and uh, yeah, it worked out, man. And then the second one, obviously, was the one where. Uh, Boat of Arms were meant to be headlining and Bayluni got sick yeah. uh, and we still sort of went ahead with the gig and part of part of my inspiration for that gig or putting that on um, was trying to combine every possible element that we knew of in the scene at that point um, you know the Filipino bands um, like punk bands, metal bands um, and you know underage bands like because it had been so long since we, you know, we've had like school and college level bands, you know, and I, like both gigs, like I had, I put on, you know, two college, like college bands, like, um, unfortunately, um, it was too expensive to maintain out of pocket, and which is why I have so much respect for guys like Matasim and Jabber for continuing to fly bands down and just kind of keep shows going. Like I, I know how much of a hit they're probably taking, you know, like putting these shows on, give you know, to give like local bands the opportunity to, you know, support some of their heroes. Like, you know, even for me as an audio guy, getting to mix bands that I, you know, I listened to when I was 16, like, you know, it's, it's pretty massive. 
you said something that I that I want to touch on. I I tried to um, explain it to someone recently, and uh, I I just I just I couldn't I couldn't figure out how. Um, while you were naming a couple of the different uh, genres of bands, you said Filipino bands. Yeah. And I tried to explain that there's a this weird segregation uh, in in the UAE mm-hmm. from from the metal scene, uh, the metal and rock scene. Uh, and and this other completely underground metal and rock scene uh, that can, consists of, of Filipino bands and Filipino fans, and yeah. they don't really cross pollinate that much. We've tried a couple of times, but um, what what, do you, what is your take on that? It's uh, like I think I think with anything, man. Like people are drawn to what they're most comfortable with, um, and you, and you can see that, like you know, like with every culture that exists in Dubai, people are for the most part, you know, sticking, sticking, sticking within themselves. Um, you know, and like from, from day one in the scene, man, we've had some like really great, like bands consisting of Filipino members, Sandwash. And obviously they had Pavel, who was uh, the guitar player, who's uh, Russian, if I'm not mistaken, but you know, like, uh, bullet cells and, uh, Lip slide, which had uh, Mackie from um, uh, YY mm-hmm. playing bass, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, man. Like I mean, there are always there's always been sick bands, um, but like you say, finding that crossover point was difficult, and that's another 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 reason why I jumped into the music room because I knew, you know, there was different promoters coming in there, different kinds of you know shows, but ultimately all the same. And I think. To a degree, uh, when I was at the music room, there was starting to that, that crossover was starting to happen a little bit. Uh, you used to see people from, you know, the like the the you know I'd say the main scene or whatever. You used to jump onto these Filipino gigs and and vice versa. And I, I became really good like good friends with Prom. Um, you know, he used to run like a, a sort of promotion called Black Sheep, which was I remember that yeah. And uh, f- uh, for those that don't know, we'll, uh, we're having Krom come on the show as well, so he can, uh, he can tell us some crazy stories about that stuff. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, you know, they always put on like solid shows, and it, it it was just like you know how it, like when the crowd gets up close and personal, like it, it was always like that. You know, like you're in the crowd singing to them, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, man. Like I mean, like two day. Um, you know, I mean, I still work with with Krom's like you know Krom's bands and stuff like that uh, if you remember uh, just before the lockdown happened you had given me a call uh, I mean obviously you guys were trying to try to still play that Lacuna Coil show without Lacuna yeah. Coil um, and I was like oh you know what like Krom's asked me to do sound for for one of his bands so I'm gonna sound check them come and sound check you guys and try and try and do the in between because I don't think the venues are that far apart <laughs> Uh, dude you, you know that's that's one of the things i completely and utterly so like i have so much respect for you when it comes to that because you're one of those people that's like like i said it's that diy punk mentality where you're like it, it might not uh be the best case scenario but it'll happen like yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna do soundcheck here uh, run across town do soundcheck for you guys run back do that actual show and then run back maybe just as you guys are starting and i'm like damn that's that's a grind. That's that's the best well, way. You know, like the, the scene means a lot to me, you know, and I've seen loads of bands come and go and like, um, but I'll, I'll always appreciate 
what it's done for my taste in music and what it's done for you know inspiring me to to kind of be who I am today you know like um and you know pushing me and like helping me grind and, and do all those things so yeah man I mean it's it's been a it's been a hell of a ride for sure um but yeah I mean if like I think another problem I have is saying no <laughs> so uh yeah I mean if I can help, I mean it's man, it's good for us yeah <laughs> yeah I mean if I, if I can help man like that's that's all that matters to me like um you know and last thing I want is to let people down um and I know if you say no from the get-go you're not really letting people down but you know like you know but it yeah. is it, it is that that instinct that you have because you and I have had conversations before about like what you can make what you can do to make the scene better and we've we've had conversations down to like <clears throat> or as far as uh like what what would it take for us to open our own venue kind of, kind yeah. of deals yeah and um and you, that instinct is is something that I'm uh, I'm very uh, inspired by for sure. Mm-hmm. Man, I mean, like you know, we've discussed this before in person and stuff like that, and the idea of a venue by the scene for the scene. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously so many like logistics that you've got to you know got to think about. Um, so whether it's feasible, I don't know, um, but it's it's definitely a, a pipe dream, I guess you could call it, um, to to try and nurture, I guess, the scene because you you got like you got countries, man, that really nurture their local music. Like Australia is a great example because they've got like Triple J and stuff, and it's it's mainly all like local music, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's another problem here because like radio, even though I say radio is to a degree dead now. Because of the likes of Spotify and your Deezers and you know iTunes and all that stuff, um, I don't think the radio here has done enough to cover local music or you know local musicians to be able to push culture here. And the this lack is, of culture from this. This is a great a great stepping stone for uh, a question Karim has. Thank you so much for tuning in, my dude. Uh, Karim, for those that don't know, is uh, Arabian Panda. He he had an episode on here. Uh, local musician, and by local, I mean actual local, which is rare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he says, "Question: What are your thoughts on what is needed to break out of the cycle? Uh, to break out of the cycle of it's not cheap to put a show here, and there is no money out of it. What do you see needed to break out of this mentality?" more shows you just you just have to to do it and make it happen man like you know i mean you know whether you're playing to five people one person or whatever you know you just go out and do it like if you look at any musician any band um on a on a mid-level for example that decides to go out and tour they're never making any money they're more often than not like you know going into a loss but they do it because it's a passion project people you know they they it makes them feel alive and they, that's what they want to do. Um, I was having this conversation like really early on um, after we'd released with Extra Fat, there was an A&R uh, guy from the States that wanted to, you know, have like, you know, a couple of meetings with us online and stuff like that. And we were having a chat and he was talking about like the way bands do it in, in, in the US and Europe and stuff like that. Like they, they work, they put some money together, they go on tour, you know, and then come rinse, you know, recycle, repeat. And they just do this every six months. And, you know, I can I can vouch for her, like how hard working some of those bands are, man. Like, and like how tight they are. Like, 
you know, just uh, I think the first first ever international show we played, which was uh, Punk Rock Holiday in Slovenia, um, you know, and pretty much like all of our like punk band heroes were playing at this at this festival. There was like No Effects and Millen Colin, who was on the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtrack, uh, like some some pretty massive bands. And uh, so we we got the slot on the on the support stage thanks to you know thanks to like loads of people voting for us. Um, yeah. And when we got when we got there because we were playing on day three, we got there you know day one, uh, and like I had to get like an artist wristband so I couldn't go in from the main entrance. So I went off from the side. Paul had the wristband. He came out and met me. And in the meantime, I had like a one euro beer from a little shop in Slovenia. I was sitting there on the side, like on the sidewalk, sort of sipping his beer. Paul comes around and he gives me this, you know, like the the wristband. We go inside and like we walk through this sort of like clearing in the forest and stuff like that. And I, I can hear the band playing and I'm like, oh my God, they sound massive. And I'm just expecting to come out of this clearing right into the front of stage and like everyone's going ballistic. But no, like I walk past the clearing, I'm behind stage, behind the sound system. I'm like, how did they sound so good, man? And like this was a this was a band called uh, Mainline Ten from uh, from Spain. Oh my god, man! It, it was they were just killing it for forty five minutes. This drummer was on beast mode the whole time. I was like, we don't belong here, you know? Like <laughs> we're nowhere near that level. But, Shout out to know, Main Time Main Time Len Ten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's. Uh, Eventually, we ended up doing our gig, man, and like we we ended up selling out all our merch at the end of our set. Like, that's amazing. You know, like people like crowding out, crowded crowding up, and going like, "Oh, can we buy your T-shirt? Can we buy your CDs?" Like, oh yeah, man. You know, it's 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 a great sort of mentality and a great um, sort of culture to expose yourself to. You know, because in in those countries, in those continents, the music scene means so much more. You know, it's. You know, like like people will travel to come to your gig like yeah you know it's just i want to i want to jump into the comments real quick and then talk about uh your tour with fat randall and kind of a b it with the with the scene here but let's just go through these guys comments uh khalid tamimi saying seriously some insane filipino bands here fist in your face sandwash goddamn electric hits of gomorra my favorite uh, fatal qualm crazy crazy talent absolutely man uh, i absolutely love all those bands too and um fist in your face was uh, one of the first bands we've ever played with uh, yeah, as um, as a uh, who will guard the guardians? We opened for them once, I think 2011. Um, uh, Ahmed Munir, I'll get to your question right after reading a couple of more comments. Uh, Sultan's in the house. Sultan, thank you so much for tuning in, my dude. Um, we have uh, hey Romario, it's Fabio, engineer from France. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, hey, man. In the comments, um, Khan is saying you need to think you need to think of it as a business here straight up it goes beyond passion if you want to open a venue here a radio sucks here for local bands well this is it man like for sure like i couldn't i couldn't agree more with that because i mean as we all know like radio hasn't made an effort to be involved at all um and when we had the likes of red bull helping us out it was it was all it always felt massive um because you know, you had that kind of backing and you felt yeah. like they believed in you. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I remember seeing like a, this girl who was a singer in some band over here. She fronted, she fronted a band, maybe it was Nightmare Overdose, where she, she was singing 
some parts of Nightmare Overdose. Mm-hmm. And she'd left, she'd left Dubai and then she was fronting a band that had played Warped Tour. And, you know, like I was like, so she can do that. Surely we can do that. You yeah. know, like, and it's, it's that, it's that sort of idea that I've, I've tried to sort of develop. And now that we've been out, you know, touring and stuff like that, and it's like, well, if I can do it, you guys can do it. Just yeah. have to, you know, just get on it. Like, so uh, for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to run through some more uh, radio comments here. Um, Warren is saying uh, radio in Dubai has always been blind to local bands. Even when we played in metal and punk bands in the early nineties without uh, in the early 90s uh, without that a scene struggles to develop i agree yeah. with that um would you have saying more. radio here sucks for any music other than commercial pop forget getting local bands on yeah but you know this is this is part of the problem man like it's uh shout out to warren by the way boss <laughs> is that yeah he's a he's a video tech that now lives in the uk but like he's been around way in, in dubai way longer than i have shout out to um, warren yeah man what a dude um but yeah man it's you know like you look at any other country man like i mean even even if you look back to the example of like the 70s and stuff like that led zeppelin got big because they went recorded things were released and on radio the same day you know and uh that that was a massive part of pushing culture yeah. and you know um you know obviously the platforms now are, are you know so different and stuff like that but we could have used that support like Warren says in the early 90s and the 2000s and stuff like that you know and I lost your audio there give me a check hey hey yeah we're back yeah sorry man I think my laptop's frozen I might need to restart that's alright or just oh that's alright yeah um, uh, hit, hit the same link once you're back. I'll go through some of the comments here. Yes, we done. Be back inside. All right. All right, guys. Um, while we wait for uh, Rom to uh, restart and come back, I'm going to read some of the comments. Uh, Khan is saying, uh, once a week, 30 minutes, uh, been happening for the past 10 years, doesn't do you any good when you scratch, when you stretch it that long. Uh, it's treated as a 30-minute content filter, hardly any good when it comes to the artist's music actually reaching people. They need to do more, much more. This is a response to um, Khaled saying that uh, uh, there was a station. Where is that comment? Oh, there, um, 10, uh, 10 or, uh, 103.8. See, I, I can't do radio. This is why I'm not a radio guy. <laughs> 103.8 Dubai Eye does a few segments dedicated to some local musicians and not necessarily the rock and metal stuff, though. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it should have been uh, just so much more um, uh, like involved. I think I think especially now with the with the you know the online mediums, the stuff that we have at our disposal. I was talking to uh, uh, Hamad. Shout out to Hamad from uh, uh, he does a, a rock and metal uh, show in Bahrain on FM radio on Bahrain radio, and we were talking about um, all the all the possibilities of stuff like that happening online. And uh, and where 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 the future of this stuff is because you know if you have enough people tuning in, you can uh, you can build this thing on the internet. And um, yeah, but I completely agree with Khan. Um, Sultan is in the house. What's up, my dude? He says, uh, "Is there a stepping stone here to go from a small time to anything more besides cultural differences and all that?" Because uh, if there is, I'm in uh, I'm in no sense aware of it. Um. 
yeah is there a stepping stone here to go from small time to anything more and this uh, this is um, a perfect segue uh, to to get into with uh, with Romario about the uh, the tour that he did. Um, uh, is, are you back? Is Romario back? What's up? Yeah, I'm I'm here. If you can hear me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all good. Um, so uh, did you catch that question? Uh, stepping stone. Uh, is there covered. is there a stepping stone here to to go from small time to anything more besides the cultural differences and all that? I think there's definitely potential, man. Um, However, it, I don't think it's going to be achieved from playing strictly local shows. Um, as you know, as everyone knows, um, with Dubai culture, um, people support something that they consider, you know, that will that that something that will give them, you know, more likes on a on an Instagram post or whatever. You know, that's what that's what people will support. So if you go out, play some shows, and come back, you're all of a sudden a bigger deal you know and case in point is uh after i did sepultura this summer you know it was um you know all of a sudden the perception had changed i felt from oh you know romario the sound guy that's that's at the local gigs to oh man romario sepultura he, he did sepultura you know so it's uh it's that shift in mentality um that i i think going abroad and playing shows definitely brings um as opposed to just doing strictly local gigs Let, let's talk about the abroad because you guys did a uk tour and i'm pulling up footage uh right now of uh, a, a kind of a music video compilation of mm-hmm. you guys uh touring yeah um uh, what was what was that like what was getting out of the the uae scene like and uh what's the comparison you you've seen between the two scenes it's it's night and day man for sure i mean you know i mean we were we're an unknown we were obviously an unknown entity in in the uk like um but so what had happened was in 2016 we played punk rock holiday and a couple of weeks later there was another band that was playing punk rock holiday that was playing in london um called authority zero from the states amazing band um you know and we just we emailed the promoter and we were like hey man uh like we're in the UK right now. Uh, would you consider putting us on the bill? And he's like, "Yeah, man, I can give you like a 15-minute set." We're like, "Screw it, we'll take it." So I ended up going up, going down from Scotland, meeting uh, Remy, who was sessioning drums for us uh, on at Punk Rock Holiday. And Remy was in uh, in college with Paul, so we just did that show, man. And it, you know, the reception was great. Um, and then we kind of we're like, okay, so we've played the UK. We kind of know. Um, we have an idea of who to contact now. And, you know, obviously um, for the next summer, uh, we were like, okay, you know what, let's let, let's just work on it, see what we, what we can pull up. And I think at that point, like I was really, really pushing our socials, um, you know, especially like Twitter and Instagram. And uh, we had someone uh, from Rebellion Festival in Blackpool that had messaged us on Twitter. And was like, oh yeah, man, we can we can definitely accommodate you guys on the uh, you know on the one of the support stages, you know, uh, like if you guys are willing to play. And like at first, I was like thinking to myself, is this is this real or is he just taking the piss? Or but you know, it ended up ended up happening. We built some shows around that, you know, contacting promoters and stuff like that. So I think all in all, we ended up doing uh, eight shows on that run. Um, but it was and spread. all all booked yourself, basically just yeah. gone from. Yeah. 
calling a yeah. couple of people and figuring it out yourselves. Yes, we basically I basically got in touch with uh, with promoters in different cities, and you know, like man, it don't get me wrong, it was it was hard work because. We easily got something like eighty percent rejections, or you know, oh, we can't really help you accommodate you this time. But of the twenty percent, you know, of the shows that we got, like, you know, it kind of worked out really well. And we all those dates were kind of spread out over the course of three weeks. Um, so we ended up playing Manchester. We ended up playing uh, like a place called Coventry in the UK, a place called Blackburn, and then we did you know like th- uh, three shows in Scotland. No, yeah, three shows in Scotland, um, and it's it's interesting because the further north you go, like the the crazier people get at the shows. I found, um, but yeah, man. Like I mean, the, I think the number one question that that we were asked after every show was like, "What's it like being abandoned in Dubai?" And people, you know, people are curious. Like they're always, you know, how it was for us, like growing up. Sorry, I'm going to give you some headroom on this camera. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you know what it was like for us growing up, discovering new bands and taking it to your friends, like, look, I discovered this band, check them out, sort of thing. And then everyone becomes diehard fans and stuff like that. And they still have that mentality in the UK and they'll come out and support. And like, to, to another degree, you know, things like gig tickets are cheaper. And like, I don't think you have to deal with things like performance permissions and yeah, all that stuff. But yeah, um, definitely, man, like it's touring... Touring has definitely helped push the Fat Randall brand, yeah. um, and it's also, you know, in a in a way, like like I said before, you know, for, amongst the Dubai scene, has changed the perception of what Fat, Fat Randall was and what it is today. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I've I've seen that happen with other bands as well. I think um, there's just like. Um you know, cementing a band uh, within the local scene once they've already gone out for a tour and come back. It's this weird, like, um, it's like a ch- achievement unlocked or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they level up as soon as uh, the, the local scene hears that a band went on tour and came back. And um, the perception of, of people definitely changes. Uh, I don't know if it's in terms of, like, respect or just thinking that, oh, shit, these guys are taking it a little more seriously than I, than I thought um, yeah. having come back from a tour. Yeah. Um, which, which is which is uh, and it's unfortunate that it doesn't happen often that bands don't get the chance to tour just because of how expensive it is to get four or five dudes over to Europe and then yeah. a bus and all that stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think the the few bands that uh, did do it, uh, including Fat Randall, um, that there is this perception that changes in, within within the Middle Eastern scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I was saying earlier as well, like you never you're never really going to make ends meet. You know touring it's, it just doesn't exist you know like you're like we managed to make money off the door um and then you know for the festivals like we were, we were being paid a fixed fee um but you know all in all i think it managed to help us cover our internal travel and you're looking at things like merch sales and you know uh, especially within the punk scene like with that diy ethos um, you know, promoters are always willing to let you sleep on their sofas, like, or you crash with another band at like their house and stuff like that. Like, yeah. and you just get up and go the next day. Um, Fabio did sound for us in France, and like this was just like a like a random gig. So like we, like, when we played Punk Rock Holiday, there was a there's a guy named Richie who's um, 
so this dude's in a wheelchair so like <laughs> he, there's there's like videos and photos of him like you know crowd surfing in his wheelchair and it's it's absolutely insane so richie lives in france and he was like oh man i'm gonna get you guys to come out and play a show so we went to his little town in in france to play this just this one show you know and uh like it was just loads of fun man and we all ended up going back to to richie's place like sitting in the garden having a few drinks like acoustic guitar out and like having like a barbecue like you know how it is like here man like when when people decide to just go and hang out you know um and yeah, that's what... i've heard i've heard people describe it as if you're an unsigned indie band that wants to tour especially if you're coming from the middle east going to europe just think of it as a, a slightly expensive holiday with your friends yeah man yeah and you kind of you manage you look at you look at reducing your costs as much as possible but that's 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 the end of it like you you know i mean you you run cdg and like you know what it's like you you know you want to maximize your incomings and reduce your outgoings you know so yeah. it's the same it's the same mentality you're running a business at the end of the day um so obviously when you look at it as a, as an expensive holiday and you dish out money for your plane tickets but if you manage to make if you manage to break even uh, that's that's perfect yeah i mean even if you manage to break even on you know internal transport um you know I mean, obviously petrol and like or fuel is expensive in europe um food and you know like logistics and staying wherever you're staying if you if you can't get put up on somebody's sofa you gotta get like a hotel room or a you know a motel room or something you know it's uh yeah man like you, you kind of just weigh up all those things and if it means that much to you you you, you know why wouldn't you go out and do it yeah one, one of the, the things that um has stopped us uh specifically from doing more uh travel is is the the price tag that comes with it for sure and uh, the 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 initial investment that's needed uh, mm-hmm. to then wait for for the you know the merch and the doors and stuff like that which um we just couldn't get our shit together uh if i'm being honest uh, quick enough at that time especially with everyone doing you know there were a lot of life changes within the band marriage kids all that stuff i get that, it man. Uh, like we've you know we've been sort of in the same boat as well and we're kind of you know for us we're kind of fortunate that you know paul lives in london and um you know our on our last tours we had session drummers who lived in london as well so like that helped bring down the cost massively um but you know at the same time um you know like if you have if you have a goal to do it like if you plan well enough in advance like say you put put aside a bit of money like you know like you're saving up towards something and and then then you just spend it because like you know you put that aside for your band uh but like i get it man like you know like when you have family it's different when you've got you know visa issues here it's different like like i I, yeah, 100%. I, I that's like so, you know, yeah um hard. i'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, blast through the comments for for a bit very quickly because uh, these guys are contributing to the conversation. I love um, I love the back and forth. I love the fact that we do this live. If if the if we weren't able to do this live one day, um, it'll be it'll be very difficult uh, to, to get that interaction going. I don't know how we would do it, but I, I thank you guys so much, everyone that tunes in live. This is amazing. Um, Sandy's in the house. Sandy says uh, the screamer girl. Uh, the screamer is the girl from Nightmare Overdose. She has a YouTube channel. She does metal covers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you have a link, Sandy, uh, uh, 
throw it in the comments i'm sure a couple of people would like to check it out um uh han is saying as far as red bull goes i've got way too much insight uh on them to talk about uh, but we'll keep that on down low for now uh yeah uh, uh maybe uh, maybe for an after hours uh episode or something like that um <laughs> Wadiya says, uh, isn't that the case everywhere else in the world with radios uh, in, in terms of them not uh, really playing local bands? Um, I'm pretty sure that is the case. Uh, yeah, I think I think we just, because the scene is very small, I think we uh, we kind of expect a little uh, more support, but I, I guess you're right. Um, uh, Sultan says, uh, wouldn't there be more support about uh, wouldn't there be more support about music scenes here if the live audio didn't suck so much? Well, at least it was when I was going to the local shows, um, especially the old school DIY shows might have been, uh, you know, the skate park gigs and stuff like that might have been a little rough on the ears, but it hasn't been that way for for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, kind of going back to why I did the music room and stuff like that was, you know, the idea of enhancing both the band's experience and the audience experience. Um, in terms of what they're hearing, um, you know, and it's that I, I, you know, to a degree, I, I, I get where Sultan's coming from. Like it's, it's that extra ten percent or whatever that'll enhance like the crowd experience and want them, you know, keep them wanting more. Um, but the difference is that when we had, when the music scene was thriving here, people didn't care because it, it was it was a cultural movement. It wasn't yeah. You know, people weren't like, oh, you know, the sound is pretty shit, so we're not going to go to a gig. Like, everyone and their friends was like, okay, if I'm not part of this, like, it's, you know, then I, I suck. Like, <laughs> so, you know, that that was that. Like, it was, um, I mean, obviously that, that perspective changed, you know, when we went down the route of bars and, you know, underage bands not being able to play. And, you know, it's a whole, you know, whole collective of issues. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, hopefully that uh, that answers the, the question, Sultan. Um, we got Khan saying, uh, they did try once with Rock Radio UAE many years ago out of Fajera that played a decent amount of local music, but it shut down pretty quickly. Uh, sad sad day it was, uh, but, but sad day it was, but used to it uh, from Khan. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember that um, station. It, it was it was pretty bad signal. I think Khaled's echoing the, the same uh, reaction there. Um, yeah, I think saying, around, sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. No, I was just gonna say, like, I think by the time rock radio came around, it was it's far too late, man. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember uh, going, but um, I, I, I was saying while you were gone, I think it's something we need to do something online, and uh, this is what Priscilla is asking now. He says, why not start your own local radio station, Adnan? That's exclusively for local musicians, rock and metal bands. Uh, one of the successful rock stations in the Philippines started just from a small group of rock and metalheads, and um, basically this show is kind of my version of 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 that. I'm trying to start more than just playing the bands. I'm trying to highlight the people behind the music scene, mm-hmm. the people behind the creative and the art scene here in the in the UAE and yeah. in the Middle East and across the world as well. But uh, I'm just uh, th- this is this is the way I knew how to do it. Um, I think uh, the only uh, uh, issue with like just playing music is that uh, I feel like I'm, I'd like to highlight the people behind it and uh, if, if you'd like for example uh, would like to check out Fat Randall the link is in the description you get to listen to it and stuff like that so this is my take on a on an online radio show so to speak yeah um, 
uh, Ahmed Bashiri is in the house. He says, uh, when the venues don't allow local bands to put together a show, obviously there will not be a radio as well. Um, yeah, I think uh, I my reaction to that is uh, there, it's just like Romario was saying. There's there's a lot of budget stuff. It's about are you going to book out a venue and have three people show up the way the venue can't uh, cover its costs and and stuff like that um but uh, yeah this, this is where the online world comes into play you don't need you don't need anybody to, to create a show online yeah sure um uh Tarsila's in the house she says oi what's up Tarsila? thank you uh Thank you for tuning in. And Sultan has another question. Just out of curiosity, Romario, your smallest gig out of country is bigger than the local ones here? No, definitely not. Um, the, you know, like, as an unknown entity, like, say if you were a mid-level band, like, you, you like you get your touring bands going through um, from the US and Europe and stuff like that, and probably relatively well-known. It, it depends on, you know, the city that you're playing in. Um, you know, like, it could be Obviously, you want to you want to keep that idea as a small band of supporting someone bigger. Um, but you know, when we've you know we've played gigs on tour where it was just you know the crowd was the rest of the bands. But mm-hmm. you know, still it was like you know, people people vibing with it. You know, like you know those band members can still be fans. You know, like it's uh, yeah, yeah. you know so whether you play to whether you play to one person or you know four hundred people or whatever, it's uh, it's, it's it. it the effort you put in should be the same but like to answer your question uh yeah no it's uh you know we've had some some definitely had some bigger shows uh you know on tour uh than what we've had in dubai but we've also had you know much less like and just just to echo that uh that sentiment i think one new person uh at a show abroad is um a much more effective uh, thing no, not necessarily but uh, like effective in the band's growth than yeah. 200 of the same people that have seen you a couple of times yeah yeah i mean it's you know it's, it comes back to this whole idea of you know you support with merch you support with you know like getting the music passing on the music to your friends and there's you know there's a whole um sort of uh ecosystem that sort of works with it um you know and which is which is why like you know things like the metal scenes and the punk scenes and stuff that have come from the backgrounds that they've come from are so supportive you know especially yeah. when when it's from a place that you know people think you know we're, we're going to work on camels and stuff like that you know it's like <laughs> and in dubai but you know like it's uh yeah so it's pretty it's pretty sick man like the the way you get treated for sure Speaking of support and uh, and you know rocking up with merch, Ahmed uh, Munir is asking. By the way, do you still have any Fat Randall T-shirts? Uh, we've we've got a couple left. We did a, a limited run for our last UK tour, um, but I think I've got a couple left. I, what size are you? Uh, yeah, uh, Ahmed Munir, send us a message. Tell us what size, and uh, we'll figure out a way to get it over to you. Um, we're just saying uh, all this talk of scenes and gigs every time makes me want to to scream and cry because we're not getting any of those anytime soon the only thing i miss the most is attending concerts i feel the same way and um i i oh, can yeah. uh, i can imagine romario's uh, also tied it to uh, to you know making a living so it's uh, it's only um it's only doubled <laughs> at least in terms of uh, yeah, reaction you know, for you I, I think that's a great mentality to have though it's um you know kind of 
coming back to this whole like even one person that comes out to a gig for you it's you know it's massive because you just never know who's in the crowd you know like it's uh it just could be it could be anyone like it could be someone big it could be someone it's a it's just a fan that's going to support you by by buying your merch and yeah. and doing all that um but that's a great mentality to have because uh you know bands here need to see that kind of support but not not take that for granted in a way because you know there's just because you you can pack a show here or play to a packed venue because there's a like a massive headliner after you doesn't mean that like you're doing well you know like yeah yeah 100% 100% and that's um that's something we uh we we quickly found out as well as, as soon as we started traveling like you know mm-hmm. that that 300 uh, crowd of of uh, the Zvengali family the support group isn't isn't traveling with you you got to win those 300 yeah. over again <laughs> wherever yeah. you go yeah yeah i mean like i think bruno who was uh, was messaging or comment, like commenting earlier he's part of the punk scene in brazil um you know and like again found us on socials like and like we've been chatting uh today man like and it's it's rad because like you know you don't expect something that you created in your bedroom really like to yeah end up on the other side of the planet you know and like then you get the support and it's 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 insane like it it really yeah. does change your outlook on it the first time uh, we played a show and uh, ahmed munir's in the house he was he was right there and so were you um the first time we played that show and someone sang along I think was uh, was one of the craziest emotional roller coasters I've been through. Just thinking like, holy shit, someone cared enough to remember the words and then yeah. sing it back, and and it just blew my mind that whole uh, that whole experience. Um, yeah. uh, Sultan saying, I think the local shows were more about supporting each other uh, and said friends, but everything you both said uh, about it makes sense. Um, thank you, and I'm glad uh, I'm glad we uh, could uh, contribute to the to the conversation, Sultan. Um, Tarsila says yes. A radio, local bands. Um, yeah, uh, I think I think this is something we might we might be digging into soon. I think there's a, there's a couple of people here that are very interested in in the subject. Um, uh, Ahmed uh, Dirty, Ahmed Bashiri is saying, what if the musicians themselves don't support each other? I know a lot of them. The scene is not a community anymore. Um, I think the scene is a little more fragmented than it used to be, especially when we were younger. But I think it's also to do with the the generational, like we're all growing up. Everyone's you know got families. Everyone's doing their own thing, and um, it does get fragmented here and there. But I think this is also another reason why I started unmuted. Is just we just need to have conversations again and talk about this shit and show each other's music and showcase things and and do all that. I think um, I think we're back on we're. This the, whatever happened, this this insane madness that the world's going through right now, um, I think uh, triggered something in my head at least, and uh, I think I think when when things pick up, when things get back to normal, we'll uh, we'll be a different scene. Yeah, let's, let's certainly hope for that, man. And like you know, I'm still keen to discuss the idea of like trying to put up our own venue and kind of leave a legacy in a way. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, we know like none of us are going to stay here forever. But you know, it's just passing on the torch sort of thing. Like, you know, once we once we go, like, there's a younger generation coming in, and you know, we want to see like we want to see like younger bands come up, like pushing the boundaries, pushing you know the scene from here, but you know, also the collective, you know, across the globe for sure. You know, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, it's outside of the logistics of it. I think just having like 
just a dedicated a, a venue that isn't a bar. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? I know the fridge is one of the few uh, that uh, that is around, but yeah. just a venue that's not necessarily in a hotel that's in a bar where you have to be 21 over to come into um yeah. where the, the the sound and everything is based on like electronic music it's not really based on live mm. um i think it'll be a very uh, i'm i'm down and we've we've touched base on this before but we're uh, we got to have a full length uh, proper discussion about it and see if, if anything can come up from that well yeah for sure man and this is this is why i enjoy the idea of desert experiment like a lot it's because it's a convergence of you know like what i would consider scene heavyweights you know like yeah. everyone comes together and they just put out the show um but it, say we take it a step further you know like this converges the scene to put up a venue and you know like support it like you know it's, uh, it's finding the right people man you know costs cost is king basically yeah yeah so, people are her sponsor her sponsor yeah. that believes in the thing that we do um Hands in the house, he says. Uh, I just realized I'm staring at two guys who can put on the best poker face ever. This is a compliment. <laughs> uh, thank you. I didn't realize we were doing poker face for for a while, dude. Every time they'd scream uh, the sirens chorus, I'd get emotional. Um, uh, this is Khalid Tamimi saying uh, uh, he was he was uh, the drummer of Zwingali at that time, and uh, sirens is one of our songs, um, which uh, which was on that EP. And uh, Ahmed Munir saying, I still get goosebumps when I watch the Sirens video. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was that was one of... It was crazy that that was our first show. I still can't believe that first show, uh, right off the bat, we were uh, second after Fat Randall. And um, and we just did... We did a lot of uh, a lot of groundwork in terms of, uh, you know, social media and stuff. We, we really kind of established it there. And then when we played the show, we didn't realize that everyone was coming out swinging singing the words that kind of blew us blew us uh away. yeah if i'm not if i'm not mistaken after i'd finished our set i was i was working in the music room at that point if i'm not mistaken yeah i think so <laughs> i was mixing all you guys as well which is yeah funny as man like but yeah we used talk to, about uh, talk about the double duty grind that we were talking about earlier yeah man yeah it's good times uh shireen's in the house shireen what is up thank you so much for for always supporting um I, I wanted uh, to switch things up now. Let's uh, let's talk about the uh, the big hitters. This, this sh- you toured doing audio for Sepultura. Um, there's been a couple of people here that uh, want to know the story. There's been uh, I don't actually know the story. I remember you giving me a call or a message uh, just before it happened. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I remember is um, or, or from from my timeline is uh, Sepultura coming to town. Bengali is the opening band. Uh, this is 2017, and um, you were doing the um, uh, pr- production, managing the whole thing uh, yeah. from A to Z, and you were also doing uh, monitors on stage. You were you were mixing monitors. Um, amazing show! You killed it with the AV stuff, killed it with the monitors, killed it with uh, with everything, including dealing with our. Uh, shit as an opening band trying to get more space on stage and all that crap <laughs> um, do, you, do you remember do you remember what i said to you uh was it after your sound check like when you accompanied me to your car or to, to my car to get some stuff up I don't, I don't remember it was all a blur yeah man like it was uh obviously like you guys you know in, in, like you guys are well within your rights obviously like with josh's drum kit just kind of shoved off to the side 
Um, and I think, what did I say? I was like, man, you have opportunity and opportunity is like all you have. Just, just take it, just do it. I, I remember, I don't remember the exact words, but I remember you were someone that uh, I, I was freaking out about a lot of different things uh, that day. And I just remember like your, your face and mm-hmm. me going, ah, okay, cool. Let's just, let's just kill the show. And uh, and we'll figure everything else out later. <laughs> Let's like yeah. put ev- all our eggs into this basket, and we'll figure the rest out later. But th- um, that show uh, was the first time we mingled with Sepultura. Yeah, uh, we, we yeah. got we got to exchange some words. You met them, we met them. Um, it was it was amazing to meet a massive, insane heavyweight band like that and to find yeah. them down to earth. Then they came back. Uh, they came back twenty nineteen. Eighteen uh, December twenty eighteen. December twenty eighteen. No, that uh, no. It was sorry. It was it was May twenty nineteen. Sorry. It was yeah, May year. May twenty nineteen. Um, Nerve Cell opened that show. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, and take us from there. Uh, that Sepultura are playing in Dubai. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're still doing product ma- ma- doing the production management stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the AV and handling the sound. Yeah. And how do you go from that to going on tour with them? man it was uh it was it was a whirlwind to be honest um i mean obviously when i did production the first time in 2017 i kind of had an idea of what to expect but when they were coming back this time around um they didn't have their front of house guy because the 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 dubai show had confirmed late um if i remember correctly and so their front of house I believe guy, there was also uh, there was also like uh, issues with them because they were supposed to play Lebanon first yeah, yeah. and they yeah. couldn't get to Lebanon so they came here yeah um, so I think that was all meant to be part of that sort of run of shows um, and then Lebanon got canned and they got here um, but I think uh, like what had happened was um, the gig here confirmed late so their front of house guy had booked onto another tour and uh some like I was in a, I was in an, on an, in an email chain with Mutasim, uh Frank, who's the the manager of Sepultura, uh, and him going, yeah, we need somebody, you know, good in Dubai to to mix the band, and like when I the moment I saw that, I was like, hello, it is me, <laughs> I can do the sound. There's that and, there's that take that opportunity mentality again. Yeah, man, you know, and like I, I'm not even joking, man. I mean, I I you know sort out the whole production and all that stuff but in the days sort of leading up to it you know i i've probably i was probably more nervous than i've ever been in my life you know and uh yeah it's just getting to sepultura are you know they've been a band longer longer than you and i have been alive yeah yeah you know i and, n- never actually thought about it that way but yeah fuck you know so it's uh so it's mad to you know get to do sort of front of house and mix them like okay you're doing production for them yeah fair enough but like to get to mix them was something else um and i had there's an av supplier called eclipse who helped me out massively with a lot of the audio equipment and shout out to, to john parkhouse who's the head of audio at eclipse um but yeah i mean uh, i managed to like matasim had hooked them up with um with some some free tickets and stuff because they they helped us out and the entire eclipse audio team you know and they're really good audio guys they're all parked in front of my mixer and i'm just like oh my god i can't screw this up now the pressure is on 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, don't get me wrong. I I love pressure. This, which is why I do live gigs. It's that instantaneous sort of it needs to happen now, sorted yeah. out now, and like the gratification in a sense is it it it, it happens right there. In a weird uh, way, I re- I relate to that because of this this uh, show that we do. The fact that it's live, um, yeah. it, coming from from completely post production background mm-hmm. and moving completely to a live uh, setup i was like damn yeah. th- there is a rush to it that yeah, you get yeah. it's almost like going on stage yeah and, and this is it man this is why i i love this is this is why i love doing live sound because it's the closest feeling that i get to being on stage you know and that that rush that you know in the moment you like you just you go out and you do it like just make it happen you know and yeah. um yeah man and like the sepultura gig was was immense um you know even throughout the show like four or five songs in like i i knew i'd sort of dialed in the sound and it was sounding pretty good um and like you know part like i think part part of the biggest side of like live mixing is when you start to bring in things like effects and stuff like that and i was bringing in delays onto like derek green's voice and you know just kind of hitting at the right you know the right points and the right notes and um i had john the head of audio from eclipse just kind of turn around to me and give me one of these looks he's like nah, and that's what i knew <laughs> that, the, that's what i knew the, the lot of approval yeah yeah it's uh it's the it's the you know the grunt face like it's yeah it's pretty sick man. like that's that's when you know <laughs> um but yeah what a, what a sick gig man like i at the end of it i was still you know obviously like there was a slightly bigger turnout this time around than there was the previous time around. I think maybe 50 people or something like that. And I love how like everyone was still buzzing after the show and stuff. But like I was I was shaking. Like I was just like like I can't believe that just happened. I can't believe I've done Sepultura. First time I saw Sepultura I was like 16 at Desert Rock, you know like I I, I told them that story by the way when uh when we went up and I met um Derek Green and uh and Andreas Kisser, the first thing I told them was, yo, you guys realize you were my first show. You were my first festival. I saw, it, was it 2005 with Machine Head? Yeah, um, I think that was one, yeah. Subtour Machine Head. I was like, you're, this is the reason um, I wanted to be in bands. I was, I was like yeah. 14 or something. <laughs> yeah. I told them, this is crazy that you're back here. We're opening for you. This is insane. Yeah, yeah no, but, absolutely um, is, man. Absolutely is. Like, I had to, I had to sit down... Uh, so you know where in, in the hard rock there's a little ledge and it gets onto the main floor. Mm-hmm. I had to sit, sit down there with like a like a, a beer, uh, like a, <laughs> I had a bottle of Corona. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I was just kind of just taking it all in. It was it was mind blowing. Then you walked over, and I think JM walked over. And like everyone, like you know, people in the scene just that were at the gig were like, man, that was that was that was tight. And I was like, I, I just rem- I remember giving you a lot of like. Yes, from yeah. across the <laughs> oh man, it was it was mad. Like, um, but you know, I mean, when you when you talk about touring with a band on that level, I didn't even see it coming, man. Like, I I'm throwing up uh, I'm throwing up the photo that you took from your desk uh, in yeah. Spain. It's your desk that's a little bit lit, then a sea of people, and then you see yeah. Sepultura at the very end, and. Uh, yeah. That's that's got to be a unique experience. Oh man, it was it was absolutely insane because like you know I'm a I'm a Dubai kid you know like for all intents and purposes you know you'd never you'd never find Dubai kids going out and doing that you know and um, 
you know, put it down to touring, put it down to like, you know, working with your favorite bands, doing all that stuff. Like, you know, it, it was in my head, it was a massive deal. Um, but what had happened was, uh, I, this, this was June last year at some point, uh, and I was doing something or, or, or I was out and I'd missed two calls or something from Motasim. So I called him back thinking like, you know, he, he was bringing another band down and needed like an urgent quote or something like that. He's like, Hey man, I just spoke to Frank, the manager of Sepultura and uh, they want you on their, you know, European leg of shows this summer. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. what do they want from me? <laughs> yeah. It's like, do they want me to sell merch or something? Like, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was, it was mad. Like I, I, I didn't even even today like i still sort of pinch myself thinking about it like it's you know it was that crazy i mean obviously the guys are just absolutely absolutely amazing dudes as well like um but yeah just to jump on doing four festivals with sepultura like you know and the entire place is bouncing like yeah yeah that was that was immense man immense is there is there uh, anything you took away from touring with a band of that caliber Uh, after after that like is there something now you apply or uh, or something you'd like to take from that experience and apply to the scene here just the the reaffirmation that it's it's down to hard work man like you know and it's about the grind like you know again it's this whole thing of if i can do it you can do it you know and it's uh and it's it's great to see like you know you get like pockets of examples of people you know, musicians, bands and stuff, like pushing themselves, like, you, you know, and you do, you do get that here. Um, and it, it's just that, you know, self-belief, I think, um, you know, and if you work hard enough and believe in yourself and you, you back it up with a good performance, people are going to recognize that, I think. And that's, um, that's kind of what I wanted to bring back here. Um, you know, just being the example, you know, of a, of a Dubai kid, you know, with having the limitations of a Sri Lankan passport, you know, um, and the circumstances that, you know, you face growing up here, like, you know, anything's possible. Just, just go for it. You know, like, you know, as, as much as you can say, say, yeah, just do it. Um, speaking of Dubai kid surges in the comments saying I'm a Dubai kid and managed to achieve some of my live mixing and touring experience. I think it actually helps being from here. For sure, for sure. It's um, I think opportunity-wise, you have or you're given more opportunity to grow here much faster than you would if you were somewhere else, like in another, you know, another established country with loads more competition. You know, like be it bands or you know, like being a musician, being an audio engineer, like you're, you know, like you've got a lot of other people, you know, a lot of, lot more talented than you, like, you know, taking up gigs. So, um, definitely I think the opportunities that Dubai has afforded, not just me, but like us in general, like, especially, you know, with guys like Mutasim and Jabber bringing in high quality, like touring acts for bands here to support. It's the idea that you can see the level that you need to get to, you know, like there's a tangible sort of, yeah. um, you know, experience that you're taking in. So yeah, for sure. Uh, Dubai, Dubai does, and it's part, part of the culture within this music scene 
that allows you to do that. Yeah, um, uh, Serge is adding to that. He says maybe specifically in metal, and uh, yeah, that's where that's where you took it, I, I believe. But um, there's a couple of more questions about Sepultura here. Uh, uh, Parsili is asking when you worked with Sepultura, was it the Cavalera's time? Um, no, Cavalera yeah. left in like 1996 yeah. or 95. Um, it was definitely Derek Green. Uh, that's, yeah. that's been around for for that. yeah both those not, shows. Yeah, and it's not Igor, obviously, drumming. Igor left in the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, um, speaking of drums, Khal Tamim is asking, how was it mixing Eloy? Oh, it was a dream, man. It was a dream. It's, it, you know, the thing with with mixing sound, it's it's easy to mix a band that knows how to play and knows how to sound good. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and Eloy is an absolute, like, beast of a drummer. He's dynamite. Like, he's... He's it's like hitting, a Hulk. He hits a, yeah. as heavy as he can. Yeah, and that, that makes your life so much easier because you're not having to, you know, push the microphones as hard. Like, it, it just captures the, you know, that sort of uh, tone of that instrument really well. Obviously, there's a few few tweaks and stuff you've got to add to it. But, oh, man, like, you know, anytime you, you mix someone that knows how to play, um, that's pretty sick. And for me, like, I think drums... Obviously, every everything has a massive part to play in your mix. You know, it's like like I think I can't remember who told me, but it's like kind of like painting a picture. Every everything has its own space in the frequency spectrum. Yeah. But um, for me, drums is drums is that bass. It's that it's that it's, that gives you that sort of heart and soul that gets people grooving, gets people moving. You know, like um, and for me, like in a lot of audio guys will be like, oh, you know what, kick and snare, man. Like that's once that's dialed in, that's pretty solid and i'm like yeah but you know toms i like i, I love toms and if i can get especially like, mixing a band like sepultura yeah yeah for sure man like if you can get like those tom rolls sounding like dynamite as it goes across the room like i i love that you know it's uh obviously it doesn't mean to say that i don't pay attention to kick and snare like that's obviously <laughs> a huge part of huge part of uh mixing drums but yeah for sure um we got a couple more questions about the scene here uh it's uh that's scroll up a little bit um, uh, Ahmed uh, Bashir is asking Romari if you had a chance uh, to put together a bill which bands would make the cut um, I think it would be a mix of you know, I'm a huge punk rock guy like I grew up on punk rock you know um, and I, you know I, I love my metal as well like I've, like my musical taste sort of varied a little bit there was a time I was listening to like loads of grunge and stuff as well like it's just kind of opening up my sort of uh, musical perspective and yeah. you know work, working in Virgin really helped me with that uh, appreciating music more but you know bands that I put on a bill now uh, man um, there's a band called Strung Out from States they're a melodic hardcore punk band I think he was talking more specifically about the the middle or? Middle Eastern scene. Yeah. Oh man, um, are we talking past or like just present bands? Uh, see, this is this has come up before on the show, and I always like to say let's keep it to the ones active because as much as I'd love to like go down uh, a trip down memory lane and talk about nostalgia, I'd like to give the ones that are actually still around a little more uh, airtime. For sure, man. Um, 
definitely have you guys on there. You guys know how to put on a show, man. It's uh, and get the crowd riled up and, Thank and you, really man. into it. Um, you know, I, I think coat of arms. Well, I mean, I, I don't know if they're still going, but um, on hiatus. Yeah, they had a very very polished sound. I, th- I thought. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as punk bands go, I mean, you know, bar us, like Crom's band, Janellas, great punk band. Um, all of Crom's bands are. Fun. I know. I was uh, just thinking, uh, there's like seven of them, right? Yeah, man. Like he's he's just, he started playing bass for a, I guess you'd call him a like a metalcore band called Days of January from, from the, well, they were Philippines based, but the singers just moved here. And, um, so it's, you know, he's got all like, you know, local based musicians filling the spots now. And they were the ones I was mixing on the 13th of March. And yeah, they're pretty sick, man. I'd, I'd have them on there for sure. Um, yeah, man. Uh, yes. Days of January, you guys, um, you know, Chanelas, GDE, Jesus. GDE yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you know who else? One of my, my uh, new favorite bands from the scene is uh, Fatal Qualm. Uh, yeah, saw them, yeah, man. Uh, yeah. For, for Insomnium, I think they open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, they're um, pretty sick as well, man. I, I like that they, they have a performance. Like, I like that yeah. it's it, the, the even the way they dress, everything kind of fits together into the theme. Yeah. Um, which you don't see a lot of. I think our make are one of the few bands that does that as well from the Middle East mm-hmm. but yeah um, man you know not, our make uh, always brings their show yeah not, not many more uh, do that yeah it's it's the it's the idea of like you're not just standing there on stage and just singing words right like you people pay to come and watch a show yeah and it's not you know like when it comes to you know if you're just going to stand there people may as well just buy the CD like yeah yeah, yeah. You give them an experience Absolutely. and that's what people enjoy um, if I could think of any other bands, I mean, across across various genres, um, the recipe, I think they're sick. Absolutely. Um, Freak, I think he's a great artist as well. <laughs> it feels like, uh, and this is this is shout out uh, a little insight to everyone that's tuning in live. It feels like you're naming everyone that's about to come on the show. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's loads of great artists out here, man. Asper Casper. I think I think mm-hmm. Carla carries carries um, the front woman role really well. Um, Absolutely. You know, I think Khan's got like a like a very sort of unique um, space in which he works in because there's not. You know, there's not many bands that that do sort of that alternative grunge mm-hmm. vibe. You know, and, and even even with the solo stuff, the sound of Nomad yeah. stuff, I feel like is is also a, has its own uh, like color and and spice to it. Yeah. It's it's not yeah. your average acoustic singer songwriter thing. Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's loads of there's loads of really cool bands, man, and. Um, I think it's I think it's difficult. I, I I think at this point in time you could probably get all the local bands and still do like a one day festival. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there there aren't that many left for sure. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of Khan, uh, he has a couple of questions, a few questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. but before we hit the few questions, I'm just going to read uh, a couple more comments. Matsum says, "Proud of you, or Mario." By the way, I cancelled one of my favorite bands, uh, 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 favorite band gigs. Just because Romario wasn't available at the time, so he he uh, he was 
bringing a band into Dubai and cancelled it because you weren't available, which is absolutely amazing and kind of uh, uh, just a- emphasizes the importance uh, you have in in the metal scene and the in the indie scene in general because Middle East Records wouldn't even have a show without you. Well, you know, and I wouldn't have work without Middle East. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, but it all comes comes back to that time when I worked at Virgin. If I didn't work at Virgin, I wouldn't have, have met Mathasim. You know, and so, uh, I remember the first gig he did at the music room, and uh, he came in. And he was like, "What are you doing here?" I'm like, "Sound." <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's and it just took off from there, man. And um, you know, like I love I love working with him. Like just the just the passion and drive that he has like you know he's he's always willing to, to you know put that extra bit in um, 100% yeah i'm i'm so. going to i'm going to go get into it when uh, when i finally get him on the show which i'm yeah. very adamant about doing even though he hates being on camera but uh, i'm adamant about it and I'm, i want to bring up as well like what he did uh, not only just for the scene but for us personally for, for Bengali, what he physically went out of his way to do, uh, not only booking our shows, but like uh, when we released Theory of Mind, he plastered uh, Virgin Megastore with uh, with Theory of Mind, uh, you know, posters and and yeah. ads, and it's it's just the the lengths this guy goes to to uh, to support his uh, his local bands and stuff. Uh, oh know, man, yeah, putting it's, putting uh, people in front of in front of bands like Sepultura, putting people in front of bands like Kama and. And all the all the stuff that is bringing even all with the way back in the day, Chrissy, and it's just crazy. It's absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, so thank you, Matsum. Thank you so much for for tuning in. Thank you so much for supporting this show. You're you're crazy. You're absolutely insane, and we love you. Um, Tarsila is asking, can someone write here? Uh, can someone write the names of uh, the Dubai active punk bands, please? Um, yes. If anyone in the comments uh, has has a list of of the names, just tag them. Uh, in in the comments, tag them in the comments. We'll we'll get them uh, out to Tarsila as soon as possible. And if uh, if you don't, I'm I'll add them to the description of this video once we stop streaming. I'll just add all the bands we talked about. I'll tag them in the in the description, and you can you guys can check them out for sure. Um, Warren is asking uh, or saying rather, one for the future, just starting to break here in Birmingham. Check out uh, Neth- Nether Hall. Hope I'm saying that right. Especially you, Rum. Interested in your thoughts? So we'll um, I'll add that to the to the list of bands that we put in the description at the end of the video. Uh, so anyone that watches the rerun or anyone that wants to come back and just check out all the bands we talked about, they'll be in the description. Um, but back to Han's questions. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the first one, he says, uh, which bands gave you the hardest time behind the desk? That's a good question. Um... I, I I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there's there's been there's been a few, and I kind of feel bad naming names, man. But like, I'll I'll describe the experience. Like, I I won't name names because <laughs> I think that's a you know that that's definitely a, a down point for work. Yeah, yeah you, whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, yeah. Um, there was there was a band. Uh, yeah, basically, so we were. We were due to play uh, Golf Bike Week um, a few years ago with Fat Randall. So I'd, uh, I'd emailed all the bands and I was like, okay, this is your sound. These are your soundcheck timings. Um, you know, like stick to it because I need to be out of here at five o'clock because I've got a show to play as well. And 
like Clockwork, the first like four bands came in, you know, finished up. The last band, who were the headliners, uh, ended up just coming with two people, who was the drummer and the singer, and they took the longest to soundcheck. <laughs> he just tweaked that on my voice, and just tweaked that on my voice, and I was like, oh my god, it's 20 past five. Yeah. And so, basically what had happened, I was rushing out of the music room, and uh, pulled out of the hotel, like the hotel parking. So you come up, come into this little little street, you know, behind behind the Majestic. And uh, because the cars are parked on the side of the road, you can't really see oncoming traffic. Mm-hmm. And I, I drove a Hyundai Tucson at the time, which is like a four-wheel sort of hybrid. And a Nissan Tita, not even joking, going at like, and speed limit on the road is maybe like 40 or something, maybe less. Yeah. I pulled out and it had just, this Tita had ripped the entire front of my, off my car. Like, oh, and, I, and I just sat there going like, well, I'm not making this gig now. <laughs> so I was just like, sorry, boys, you know, like I, I just got in an accident. Like I can't make it to the gig. So I was I was really pissed off about that. Like, I think Barry had stepped in to do sound for the entire night because I was just, I mean, I was fine, but, you know, shaken a bit and really disappointed. Um, After a day of, yeah. of struggling to get out on time anyway. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was, uh, that was probably one of the harder harder bands and it's you know it's it's never I think I think bands that don't really know what they want in monitors they they do make it a little bit harder you know it's uh, you know it's just can I get a bit of this can I get a bit of that and then it's all about it's all about experience right because if you've if you've been around a couple of uh, different venues if you've been around a couple of different sound engineers and you kind of you know the common denominator that's what i want in my in my monitor and yeah we we, yeah. we make the show happen well that and you know i mean i think i think it's a sign of how well you know your songs yeah you know, um you know like one of my favorite gigs to play to date you know was on our last tour um and it was the final show on this on this run and um of, of you know so we, we played one show in berlin where you know Josh and Carla and you know, pretty, I think I think we had more Dubai people there than anybody else. Than, than in Dubai, <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it's uh, so we finished up the Berlin show and then we started off the UK leg of of the tour, which is about seven shows or something. And the last one was uh, a, the, probably the most DIY show I've ever played in my life. You know, uh, it was called the, it was called Cramond Island of Punk. So it was this little island just off the coast of Edinburgh in Scotland, and um, it was a World War Two bunker. I just know you, you get a little bit of a Scottish accent when you talk when you say the names. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll put that down to the missus as well, man. It's, uh, yeah, she's Edinburgh. Definitely... You went, you yeah. went full Edinburgh. <laughs> if I say it any other way, man, I'll, I'll just get I'll just get shit from the missus. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you mean, Edinburgh? <laughs> So, so you guys were on an island. Yeah, man. So, it was, so this island was a World War II bunker, basically, and you can only get onto the island when the tide is low. So the promoter was like, "You need to get across the island at nine o'clock in the morning when the tide is low." So we finished. We finished playing a show in Glasgow the previous night. Uh, started off pretty early. Got our coffees. Got our like breakfast rolls. Stopped by the shop. Bought some bought some beers and stuff to take across. And it's a it was a kilometer long like causeway that you had to walk across 
you know, to get to the island. Uh, and it was obviously, you know, it was a bit wet, a bit slippery and stuff like that. So we're all carrying our little like lunchbox, lunchbox amp heads, our guitars and stuff. And, you know, Khalifa, Khalifa has joined us as a second guitarist now. You know, it's like slipping all the way. And he's like, oh my God, I hate this. I can't believe we're doing this. Um, but we get across the island, you know, our shoulders are killing us. Like our arms are killing us. We're like, right. So where's this gig? And we see like, you know, people, uh, you know, just kind of getting across the island, like, you know, all decked out in black and stuff and like in punk gear and stuff. And we were like, so where's where's the where's the festival? And they were like, oh, it's on the other side of the island. We we're like, oh my god, no! <laughs> so we had to hike through like fields, you know, through like mud and stuff like that. Just climb down like rocks, carrying or... gear, everything. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, it was it was so DIY. It was mad. Like so, there's like something like 400 people at this festival, right? And uh, you know, like obviously the the gear, you know, the PA and all that stuff needs to be brought across as well. So, like the picture that I'd sent you for for this was from that gig, and it was so DIY. There were no monitors on stage. Uh, yeah, had, let me drop that in as well. Yeah, you can see people sitting on one of the bunkers on on the top. Um, so there was uh, there were no monitors on stage. We basically had two two speakers for the main PA um, for four hundred people, and uh, so I got there, and like one of the speakers wasn't working. You know, and like we had like a small little bass amp and, uh, you know, guitar amps and uh, microphones taped the drum cymbal stands. And, uh, you know, so I think we were playing like, we were like the, the band playing third before the last or something like that. And, you know, it was the whole time, like I was just like, and the promoter knew I'd just come off of working with Sepultura. <laughs> He was like, oh yeah, Mario, you do sound, right? Like, so can you help us out? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, man, no worries. I got there and I was like, uh, right. There's a whole bunch of like, hey, can you turn your guitar down? Uh, can you bring the bass up a bit? And I'll be like, get time for a beer and I'm, I'm having a beer, you know, like, but you know, we end up playing to, to 400 people with one speaker working for the PA, um, you know, and just, just making it happen, you know, like, you know, the stage wasn't massive, but like, you know, there's no monitors and stuff. So I'm just listening off of the drums and like, you just, just make it work, man. And it's, uh, honestly, one of the, one of the best experiences of my life. It was, it was, it, it's so like insane to think about like how people flood into that island just to make it happen, you know? And, and the fact that like 400 people stuck around with, with, uh, one speaker <laughs> not working, the other one. Watched. yeah, yeah. It, it was it was it was an insane experience and they were still like moving around still dancing still like having such a great time man. and uh, what was what was really kind of funny was um there was there was a guy in the crowd at the end of the sh at the end of the set he was like oh can i buy uh, can i get one of your t-shirts and i was like yeah absolutely what size are you and we started talking and he was like uh yeah man I, i'd never imagined i'd see a band from dubai playing at this festival and i'm like yeah man you know uh it's, it's nice to get out here and play and stuff. He's like, yeah, I grew up in Dubai. I'm like, what do you mean you grew up in Dubai? Uh, he's like, yeah, I was, I was there in the days of fried and stuff. I'm like, what? No way, man. You know, and like, you know, we start chatting about the scene from back then, fried and this guy, the guy's name is Callum. So he'd moved from here back to Scotland and he was just at this gig. And man, it was, was <laughs> oh man, it was such a, such a weird sort of, experience just running into people just randomly like that. Like, i always feel a weird connection from with people um when i'm 
not in the Middle East and someone goes, Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm from Dubai or I, you know, I, I saw, I heard about you guys in Jordan or, or anything like that. And I'm like, it, it feels, it feels like the scene, the, the tight knit community that we are, it just, there's one more person out there that can yeah. relate to it. It's such a weird feeling. Oh man. And like you underestimate like how many people have kind of lived or passed through Dubai. And then they're like, oh, yeah, Dubai band, you know, and they're just like, oh, yeah. And then you just start catching up and like all the old days and stuff. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Khaled's asking uh, Romario, what was the dude's name? Uh, I believe you said Callum. Yeah, Callum. Uh, I can't remember his last name now, but he's half Filipino, half Scottish, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Yeah, name, like, names. Yeah, he was, uh, from, he was pretty, pretty massive on like he was pretty, you know, like regular with fried and stuff like that i remember him posting quite a lot um i uh i don't i don't know if i was big on fried we had a we had a version of that called uh jorzine in jordan that uh that i was kind of active on um mm-hmm. but by the time i moved here uh fried and for those that don't know is uh is a forum is a website where all the rock and metal people used to kind of congregate and, and talk shit about uh, about the rock and metal scene uh, share their experiences but people were looking for bandmates on that i remember that's how i met um uh, palash who had a yeah. band called uh, broad spectrum antibiotic oh, he was man, in yeah. osprey as well um uh, yeah. there's yeah all that stuff happened on friday but I, I i even with all that experience i still came in like the tail end of that thing yeah, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think Asking Alexandria had announced their band name on Friday when they changed from End of Reason. It was oh, like, yeah, yeah. they posted it and the subject was Asking Alexandria or something like that. And it's just like, this is to officially notify everyone that we're changing our band name. Amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, amazing. it's amazing how far they've gone as soon as they stepped out of here. It's uh, I, Yeah, yeah. There's a I lot mean, to, to say about that. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, you know obviously, I Ben Bruce I believe had gotten rid of the entire entire band in two thousand and seven because I I mean I think they were doing something pretty similar you know playing like small UK clubs and and pubs and stuff like that and um, I don't think it ever really took off for them but you know two thousand and eight like he had a whole new lineup um, and then they just blew up and like it's yeah. Yeah, by by twenty end of twenty ten, it was. Um, I, I've I've told the story before. Uh, we uh, I I was visiting Tara in uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. and um, at the end of twenty ten, and we we walked into the mall, and there was a hot topic, and I was yeah. like, "Yo, I I, I can't buy uh, merch anywhere. I can't really buy any real merch. I'm gonna get in there and get my at that time my Rob Zombie merch. I'm gonna go get my." <laughs> Uh, my my Rob Zombie T-shirt, and I saw T-shirts uh, on display that said "Asking Alexandria," and I was like, "Yo, that's a that's a really strange name to have two bands of." Yeah, it's it's not like you know, it was it wasn't a generic name. You're like, oh, maybe yeah. we have one in the UAE, maybe we have one here. So I yeah. was like, "Asking Alexandria," goddamn, this someone either ripped off the other or or there's a bigger story here. And when we got back to the house, I googled it quick, and I was like. Holy shit! The guys I used to watch at like the Canadian college uh, yeah. shows out in Sheikh Zayed Road are are in Hot Topic in Virginia, yeah. and uh, I, I did a little more research and I was like, "Yo, these guys have been touring their asses off in the last yeah. two years." It's uh, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I, I do think there is there's, a, there's an element of you know investing quite a lot of money into it, 
which is which is like anything man like if you don't invest you're not really going to get anything out of it um yeah you know so and everyone knows like in the music industry now like money talks as well so if you have that sort of backing and you can put it into all the elements of that ecosystem that need to make you a successful artist you know i don't like i think you can only get so far on you know like generic or um you, you like know, the word of mouth kind of uh, yeah. natural yeah. growth yeah pretty much yeah. you know uh, unless there there are a couple of massive stories like you know the yeah. uh, the um her name billy eilish uh, mm-hmm. soundcloud kind of drop the uh, uh, what's the other guy's name um face tattoos i forget uh, his name. post malone post malone yeah post malone dropped a dropped a music video and then exploded yeah. that's the kind yeah. of stuff that uh, that's out there but i don't think it's even in punk rock and metal and that's mm. it's harder and harder to achieve that i believe yeah man it's a, i think it's a little bit saturated as a as a genre as you go across and it's trying to keep your sound you know fresh and memorable and all that stuff and um yeah and it, you know it just it just takes one moment i think um but you know at the same time you do you do it because you love it and um not you know even if it takes you nowhere it's an experience that you can you know take to your grave sort of thing um yeah you know and like I, i'm sure you'll attest to this as well it's um you know especially when you become a dad like it's a uh, it's you, know, you want to sh- be like the best possible example that you can be to your kid you know and it's uh you know like you know it, and just basically say if i can do it you can do it so don't don't get disheartened sort of thing just keep Pushing, you know like this is something i've been uh, i've been asking uh parents and new parents in general uh new parents specifically on on the show um how how has parenthood changed you has it changed you at all um i, I would say i would say yeah in in terms of um how much harder i push um and you know but at the same time like because I, i think i think life's all about balance man like you've mm-hmm. got to you know you've got to do th- everything in moderation that you want to do um but yeah it's, it's helped me become probably a lot more determined than i was uh you know and and all of the other things like being more patient and and doing all those things as well um but i, I you know i started doing uh, jiu jitsu um around about the time that you know Vanessa was pregnant with Jethro and when Jethro was born um and it was to help me put myself in a situation where I'm learning something new so I could appreciate you know his day-to-day learnings if that makes any sense because it's you know when you learn something new you you've got to take your baby steps you've got to you know figure it out and learn how to walk and then learn how to run um and that that was it so it's it's helped me appreciate um you know watching him be curious and and figure stuff out and learn new things you know and it's, and it's it's i think it's really heartwarming because like you know especially when you when you work like we do and you don't get to spend much time at home um yeah. and they they change all of a sudden you're like like for me like even going out on tour man like one thing i learned from tour was that i'm a massive homebody like i i love being at home So the moment I went on a tour, I was like, "Oh man, I want to go back home." You know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
you know, I mean, I, I love touring. Like, I love, you know, getting out there, being with the boys, um, you know, and then again, that rush of being behind a desk and, and mixing a band, uh, whether it's monitors or front of house, man, like, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, it, you're still trying to, you know, make something happen. Um, but, like, the thought always went back to, like, yeah, you know, I, I, that, I do miss being home. That's something that this, uh, the current state we're in is just, uh, really proven to me that uh, you know I, I i do like to party i like to go out to a show i have a yeah. couple of drinks with with the guys that uh, we always come out to the shows and stuff like that um yeah. i like to hang out with friends from time to time but when when i boiled it down and when this thing happened when the lockdown kick, kicked in i was like i do that once a month mm-hmm. um I, i i don't actually do it that often but the people yeah. that regularly see me at these shows uh, think i'm always doing it obviously but um yeah. it started to kick in like I'm really not that guy. I, I I'm enjoying the shit out of being home. Um, yeah, man. It does it does have its ups and downs. I do get a little claustrophobic from time to time, but I mean we've just step on the balcony for for an hour and uh, and yeah. that's all gone uh, again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a journey. And like you said, I think watching uh, the kid grow and just the things that he's curious about and just seeing like the, the this this thing this person that wasn't you know aware at all yeah. uh, i was i was holding him uh and and you could put him down anywhere and he wouldn't move and he would just sleep there you know yeah. now th- this guy's running around like he's crawling all over the place i'm trying to catch him he he, oh, he runs away from me like all these little things i'm like damn i'm seeing this develop as it happens yeah, yeah i think it's what probably you know if i boil it down probably the most ex- exciting journey that i've been able to be a part of you know like getting to watch him grow and like you know and it's like he's almost two like i said so he's uh you know he's so much more defiant now and he's got like his personalities like coming out and stuff like that and he's he's basically like a mini version of me <laughs> and, and i'm like it, you know and sometimes when he's defined it annoys it annoys it, it annoys me but I imagine that's what we were like to our parents and stuff like why well, we got to go do that why can't i touch that you know it's just it's mad like um but it's you know it's a beautiful beautiful part of life i guess as well absolutely absolutely and uh, my my wife Todd always makes fun of me whenever i'm like too protective or too over uh, analyzing like no 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 he can't go here he might bump his head she's like wait the anti-authoritarian and anarchist metalhead that you that you are that this is the guy that's like hey stay in your box stay in your lane hey don't go there don't try to do yeah. things now you're starting to, to sound like this and i was like you oh, know man. it's just it, it comes out naturally i don't even know how to explain it well i mean if you think about it we're we're all sort of biologically built for it right like and that's, yeah. Yeah, and the, the instinct kicks in it's like i mean obviously when you're when you're first starting like you're you're, you're kind of shitting yourself a bit you're like how am i going to do this you know and then within a couple of weeks like you're just you've got it down man. like and it's great like i'm sure i'm sure surge will tell you the same thing as well like you, know, you just figure your way out absolutely um, you know and like what's what's great about him right now he's he's always uh sort of been really into music so there's a band called the interrupters which is sort of like a um like a reggae punk band um they got reggae vibes they're, they're hands down a punk band with a great like you know a female fronted like vocalist and stuff and um when he was younger and he'd start crying and stuff, I just put the interrupters on, on Spotify and he'd just kind of chill out and just be like, what's that sound? You know, like, 
and now he's just you know i haven't even taught him to like headbang or anything like that but he'll hear some music and he'll start like swaying and then just banging his head and i'm just like where do you pick that up like <laughs> uh, sorry about the cat guys uh, sushi right, right. is always a part of the show um uh rudy's in the house rudy what's up he says hey adnan khan hello everyone um unmuted is an addiction and then you'll be hearing from my lawyer <laughs> um i'm i'm glad that's that's one of the the things i would be uh happily uh audited for what's the what's the term <laughs> you know what i mean but uh yeah. I, I'd, I'd like a lawyer to hit me up because someone's addicted to the show um <laughs> uh, always good to be here uh Hans saying what up to rudy uh Uh, jiu-jitsu that's epic master fernando from khan um we got a question a couple of questions here um romario uh, this is from khalid tamimi romario on stage or behind the desk and when you're on stage how hard is it to not be a sound guy if you when you're on stage you kind of you know you and when you're doing sound you, you're doing it you know for the same reasons i think like um You know, it's audience experience, um, and you're just trying to enhance that. Whether you're working, doing sound, or whether you're on stage, but you know, I, I guess if I had to choose, I don't know. I can't, man. <laughs> if 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 monetary uh, input, if none nothing, none of that was was a factor, um, uh, on the road as a musician versus behind the desk as an audio engineer. Which would would you lean one way or the other at all? It would be really tight, man. I would maybe maybe lean towards just being on stage. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I mean, I think of you know, like at this point in my life, I've put so much time into being behind a desk as well, and that still means a lot. You know, like um, from you know, again, from where I was to where I am now, sort of thing. Like you the progression the journey and stuff and it's it's like with anything in life so um i think those are, are the two things that from a make you come alive perspective you know on a on a personal level those are two things that do it for me yeah i've i've said this before on the show where it's like i've only ever done two things really i've only ever uh made videos and made music um they were my hobbies and my hobbies kind of turned into my profession And my profession uh, is is kind of then like video became more of the income making thing. So music became the hobby. <laughs> it's this weird thing of like whenever anyone asks me a question like that, like what would you be able to do if, if money wasn't an issue? It's like I'll still be doing these two things. I, I don't have anything else really that uh, that I, I did. I 15 year old me is still the same, uh, the same person as 30 year old me. Yeah, man, and that, that's that's so great about looking back. Like you know, when I was working at Virgin, um, so we we're you know, Mutasim and I were having a chat about like metal bands, um, and I was like, oh, you know, I really like this band called Kalma because I was a huge you know, In Flames fan, sort of mellow death, and um, he was like, oh, I'll check them out, and he had a listen. He's like, oh, I really like that band, and then you know, he obviously brought them down to Dubai yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, and. You know, I, I that was on the back end of that conversation. I think. I mean, obviously, years later, and he was like, "Oh, Romario, guess who I'm bringing down?" I'm like, "Who?" He's like, "Kalma." I'm like, "Oh my god!" And <laughs> you know, got to do monitors for them, and it was, you know, it's pretty sick. And um, but you know, I mean, I, I think uh, what was what was Khaled's second question? 
how hard is it to uh, to not be the sound guy when you're on stage? When I'm on stage. When you're on stage, how hard is it to not be the sound guy? Oh, it's pretty easy, man. Like you, you don't you don't think about it. You just. I think the the biggest thing is just trusting whoever is doing your sound. Um, yeah. You know, or you know, trusting that. And if you don't have a sound guy, like what I tend to do is I'll just do a quick like sort of line check and a balance of instruments, and then get on stage and just be like, eh, "All right, let's just do it." You know, that's that 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 punk rock attitude. That's that punk rock attitude for sure. And I yeah, think man. the trust thing is. Uh, having that relationship between band and sound guy or artist and sound guy is uh is something that you know is is yeah. worth its weight in gold man like yeah uh, i remember one of the 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 show we did for uh for Svengali where uh we were filming the music video my voice was completely shot like yeah. i couldn't i couldn't talk yet let alone scream that day yeah. i was i was sick as a dog um this was way this was last year guys just mm-hmm. in case anyone was worried <laughs> I was I was sick as a dog. I couldn't uh, scream, so I wasn't even talking up until we got on stage. And I remember having a conversation with you, just going like, "Oh, my voice, my voice is shot. <laughs> uh, so, so I might need I might need you to push the levels at some point." And you're yeah. like, "I got you. Don't worry." And I remember actually hearing it through the monitors because uh, I, I I started I started heavy, I started excited, and I yeah. kind of burnt myself out quickly in the in the first couple of songs. And then yeah. by the third song, I couldn't hear myself, and I just I I could imagine you just <laughs> creeping on the theater because <laughs> because all I of a sudden my voice was it. yeah my voice was was uh, getting weaker and weaker, and then I yeah. all of a sudden I started hearing it again, and I was like, oh shit, I'm back, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it it was that trust of like I I I know you'll do your thing, uh, yeah. no and regardless like worst case scenario, voice gone. Uh, where there, it was a, a headline show with a shooting a music video, so I still had to perform my ass off, all that stuff. And I was like, yeah. you know what, uh, Rom's got it. If if anything, he's gonna tell me. Well, you know, and I, I think who who is that like vocal coach that's done um, a lot of the singers from metal bands? Oh, uh, Melissa Cross. Yeah, Melissa Cross, man. Like I watched that, yeah, you know, like you know, documentary that video um, a few years ago. And something that that she instilled in her artists uh, really stuck with me. It's, and it's vocal warm ups, mm-hmm. one. And if you can't hear yourself, don't don't push it. Don't push like, harder. Don't, turn it up. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just you know you just have to trust that the person up front's doing doing the job right. You know. That's and, that's who uh, taught me how to sing. Listen across yeah. her her courses is the way I got it down. Yeah. It's mad, man. Listen, great material. Uh, what Jay has asking you? Oh, your baby's name is Jethro. Is it inspired from Jethro Tull? Yeah, it's uh, that's one. That was one of the inspirations, and um, like Vanessa and I couldn't really agree on on names for a long time. Like, you know, so we'd come up with ideas and we'd shoot it down, and then Jethro was the only one we kind of semi agreed on. We were like, yeah, I think that's the one. Um, and then you know, uh, because you know, I mean, some parents will tell you like. They have a, an idea for a name in their head, but when they when the kid's born, you know that idea goes out you know out the window, and they just name name him or her something else. Um, so yeah, we yeah we gave him Jethro, and his second name's Knox. So uh, yeah, we were just like, I think that that flows pretty well. And <laughs> yeah, the moment he came out, we were like, we we're like Jethro Knox. Yeah, what do you reckon? And she was like, Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. And then, yeah, stuck. <laughs> 
I, uh, I don't, I don't say uh, uh, Kiro's name on on the show or on social media yet. Um, yeah. We have we have that thing uh, going, but uh, but it, we had a similar experience where we had a list of names and we were like trying to narrow it down. And what do you want? What do you want? What are you gravitating towards? And then one day, I think uh, one of us just said the name, like, "Oh, when when he comes, uh, it'll be very exciting to paint the room or whatever the hell we were talking about." And I was like, "Wait, did we just pick a name?" Yeah. <laughs> Is this is this how it's going down? And yeah, it just it, it just stuck because it was like that's the name we gravitate towards outside of like logic. It just that's the name yeah. it, it was. Yeah, um, that's a pretty sweet name, man. I'm you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> um, uh, I uh, I want to switch over to uh, to talking about uh, your your company. You started mm-hmm. you started something a couple of months ago, and uh, it actually ties in perfectly with with Brendan's uh, question and. Uh, Han's question here. Uh, Brendan says, any predictions of the future of live gigs? And uh, Han's asking top three live sound guys in Dubai. And um, uh, yeah, and uh, I, I wanted you to, to talk a little bit about the company uh, and the idea of, of live shows and uh, who you have in mind for, for stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, I mean... It... First of all, what's the name of the company? Amplitude. Um, Amplitude. Yeah, so I went with something very audio-related because I kind of wanted it associated with sound, um, but I also kind of wanted it associated with with music in a way because it it sounds kind of like, you know, something you could use pretty pretty well in music or for live gigs. Um, Yeah, I mean, just... You know, it's that, it's that transition. I think like you get to a certain point where you hit a ceiling, and um, you know, I, I thought you know maybe it's time now to start my company and and uh, get it going from there. Um, and I kind of wanted associated with the you know the local gigs out here for sure. You know, it's um, try to enhance that culture and be a part of that culture at the same time. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, we used to have gigs here. Or a fan I was, design. I was just going to say, uh, Hans has loved that name. And I remember there was an Amplitude. Uh, uh, it was a fanzine and it was a series of gigs. Uh, and even a compilation, I think, uh, album that came out. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, yeah, uh, which, yeah. Han, correct me if I'm wrong. He, he was around uh, He was around then for sure. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, and it, it kind of brings back great memories of you know where the scene used to be as well, you know, and it's kind of wanting to get back to that point. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it, it'll happen if it happens, you know, and if it doesn't, like we still have a pretty epic story to tell, I think. So. Uh, yeah, what some is saying his his company logo was in the Lacuna Coil event poster. Yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll throw it up. Um, I'll be throwing up links uh, at the end of the video, like I said, for everything we'll talk about, including um, uh, Romario's uh, company and all their social media or website uh, for you guys to check it out. Um, That's something I need to work on, actually. It's, uh, I know that this is this is why <laughs> I I didn't post it is because I couldn't find it. And yeah. uh, that's why I started off the show by saying you're one of the hardest people to find on social media because well, you just don't yeah. use it that often. Yeah, and that's, it's just that you know level of like boredom, I guess, I got to, and it's, it's why I, I mean, to a degree, like I could do studio work, and I dabbled in a bit of like you know doing camera and post pro and stuff like that, and I, 
moment I sat in front of an editor, I'm like, oh my god, just shoot me now! Like, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Like, it's just the that that rush doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So it's like when you get to that point where you crave the rush, and it's you know, it's almost like you're addicted to it. If you don't get that in doing something, I'm just like, oh my god, like, yeah. you know. Like, but outsource outsource the social media to, to people that yeah to me. yeah but yeah budget <laughs> Hans uh, Hans correcting us here he says no that was ambulance not amplitude oh yeah yeah so it was it, I mean I remember, yeah I remember there being something something called amplitude at some point I don't know um, uh, top three live sound guys yeah uh, that's uh, first of all what's the what's the uh, before we say the top three sound guys what's the goal for the future here um Mm. Uh, with with amplitude, what where are you taking this uh, this thing in terms of uh, like first of all as a company and for the scene? As far as it as as far as it'll get to go, you know, I'm um, I'm a huge believer in just kind of going with the flow and um, just taking each opportunity and each day as it comes, you know. So uh, like anything that will give me an opportunity, I think now. Spend a bit more time at home, um, you know, on, on on one hand, but also at the same time, if I can somehow enhance the band's experience to put them up to help them get onto a bigger stage, I think, you know, for a for live sound guy, you know, I, that's that's ultimately what it is. Like you, you want to enhance everybody's experience and. You know, hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get to that point. And um, you know, as far as live gigs over here are concerned, um, I think Dubai has handled the virus, you know, pretty well. Um, so we could be we could be seeing a return to to live gigs from September. Um, Let's hope so. I'm crossing yeah. both both my hands with both my fingers. Yeah, that'll be that'll be that'll be six months without any work which is you know it's quite a heavy hit to take up it's absolutely one of the heaviest hits um yeah uh, so so everything's back top three sound guys in dubai i've i've worked with some really really good sound guys man um and i'm not going to narrow this down to specifically bands because i've seen some like really good corporate uh, audio guys as well who've done some like insane things um this guy in Eclipse uh, with Sam Shaheen, um, immense man. Like just, just watching that guy and his workflow, and just from start to finish, he's just he's just on the ball. Like you know, he's, you know he'll, he'll sit and like um, you know we're talking about I, I think aligning like tops to subs and stuff with with Dahi and like he so you know we'll set up the entire rig and he'll just go sit on the desk and. Pull out like a little calculator and you'd be like, Yeah, I think that's fine. Yep, I think that's fine. Yeah, that works for me. Right. Time for a coffee. Let's go. And I'm like, What the hell do you just do? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so he's great. Uh, Krom is in the house. Uh, thank you for tuning in, Cromwell. Ooh, up, dude. Uh, uh, right, we, we got two more audio engineers you got to drop. Um, do, do, do. That's a, that's that's interesting. Um... Well, I don't know if this um, if this uh, nudges you in any direction or not, but 
Khan is saying, uh, worked with Munsaf and Romario top notch, uh, but would love to hear Master Fernando's list. And, yeah, uh, I mean, Munsaf's a great dude, man. He's uh, he's come in and helped me out like so many times, and like he's just you know he's reliable as well. Like you know, if I can't do a gig, like uh, Munsaf's probably one of my first sort of calls. Um, yeah, man. Like he's he's a great dude. Uh, very well balanced engineer that'll you know do your live gigs and, and do your, your corporates you know and you can you don't have to worry about it really um you know i'd when it comes to mixing uh i'd say there's a guy called rob etok who uh used to work for delta and i think he now works for flash um and this guy's is basically a, a legend that's been you know been around the uae events industry for ages and ages you know and um yeah i mean just watching watching him work and stuff like he's usually on like the bigger uh like festivals out in uh, media city and stuff like that um and i'd session for a band called vandalai um on one of their shows playing bass and you know it's people talk about good monitor engineers and stuff like that and it's just like you know Paying attention, just it's just paying attention to your to your artists and making sure you're covering what they need. But in terms of music, um, I would have to probably go with uh, Munsef because uh, I've he's the one I've probably seen work the most, and you know, like he's the one I took over from at the music room, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it was. He's always just been a really chilled out guy, and like I think, I think part of doing this gig as well is just knowing how to be chilled out and not lose your cool. Because like, you know, people are just gonna, you know, people are gonna get on your nerves like sometimes as well. So uh, yeah, it's that, it's that client management aspect, I guess, the customer service aspect. Yeah, definitely. There you go, guys. That's uh, and hopefully that answers your question. There's a bunch of people uh, dropping a lot of love for um, for a bunch of other uh, sound engineers. Uh, Khalid saying Romario, Surgeon Munsef, and I've said uh, Khan saying Munsef and Romario. Um, Ahmed saying if Dahi was here, I would add him to the list as well. Yeah, definitely um, some really really good guys in there, man. As well, like you know, Serge, Tarek, who used to be at the music room before Munsef, um, was part of We Left the Skeletons. Um, yeah, I mean, Dahi's come come a long way, uh, you know, and to, to the point where he is right now. And it's it's great to to see that journey and the progression as well. Because um, I, you know, a few months before my wedding, uh, so I'd come back here to work, and, and Vanessa was in Scotland. Uh, I'd basically crashed on on Dahi and Khalifa's sofa for for three months <laughs> before I went back. You know, so just use that as my base to get to work and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's no, bad. it's it's a it's a very tight knit community for sure. Um, yeah. I'm gonna run through some of the comments. Uh, Ahmed Munir saying, "I remember Adnan warming up his vocals in the shower while JM and I were uh, getting a few drinks uh, in before the show, and Adnan coming out with that holy shit, I'm screwed look on his face." Yeah, I I really was. I remember um, <clears throat> that d- d- doing that uh, in the shower, uh, warming up in the shower with with the steam. I thought would open up the vocal cords and stuff, but all it did was just show me how much damage there was. Yeah, <laughs> which scared the crap yeah. out of me. Um, 
Judy is in the uh, Judy's always been in the house. Yeah, I think she's just clarifying to Khan that uh, that she was waving at uh, all the newcomers. Um, who else is in here? Uh, Wajih has saying I'm crossing fingers and toes uh, for for the scene to pick up in, in September. I think we all are. Uh, Wajih. Um, Rudy is saying I wish you all the best with your company because we need people like you. Uh, in fact, we need people like you all over the world. Cheers, man. I appreciate that. Uh, cheers, Rudy, for tuning in. Uh, and uh, we, we still need to talk about that, that coding stuff. Don't need to talk about that coding stuff. I'm still learning. Uh, Cromwell says, good evening, brothers. Uh, what's up, Cromwell? Um, Tim Cook is in the house. He says, Romario, Captain, hello. Uh, yeah, t- Tim. Tim's just one uh, corporate audio engineer of the year uh, at the uh, at the one of the event awards. Uh, man, like, got so much love for you, man. Um, yeah, he's 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 your go-to guy when you're like, especially on larger productions when you've got like, you know, things like wireless mics and and comm systems and stuff like that. Tim's just like a magician. Like, he'll just hook it all up, like, and and he'll have it all up and running. Um, and you, you don't have to worry about like wireless dropout and nonsense like that. Like he's, he's your go-to man. Like shout out to you, Tim Cook, um, uh, the guy from the fridge too. He was awesome from Khaled Tamimi. Um, I don't remember. I remember who the guy from the fridge was, but um, Toma, uh, um, yeah. I mean, he gets the job done. Sure. Oh, Cr- Cromwell says, I think you're talking about Toma. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen uh, seen his work for sure. Um, but uh, Khan is saying Rob is really good. Uh, Cromwell is saying Romario is a beast on mixing uh, on the mixing deck. I saved my band's ass a lot of times. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, man, it's uh, it's easy to mix bands that know how to play their instruments and know how to get that tone and that sound out like my job is just you know like you you shape it a little bit but you know it just makes everyone's life a whole lot easier like i've had i've had bands that you know the guy the drummer didn't hit the snare right and it sounded like a tin gun and you're like well there's nothing i can do with this you know like no matter what adjustments i make like you're not gonna make it not sound like a tin so um yeah um, last two questions for you. One from Serge: mm-hmm. uh, Satan or Santa? Oh, definitely Santa. I, I believed in Santa until I was eleven, and my bre- my best friend's mom broke the news. <laughs> oh, by accident or or like legit? Just sat you down, yo. That's that's not real. Yeah, well, I think it was by accident. Oh, well, I wasn't eleven. I think it was like nine or something. I still like my parents still kept that thing going. And, uh, and I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for Santa to get me presents this year. Because <laughs> like, my, like my birthday is like six days before Christmas. So, um, you know, it's always, it always a really exciting time. And then like my like one of my friends growing up, he was like, oh, you know, Santa's not real, right? I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> don't break this to me now. And like, I was, I, was in, I was in tears, man. Like, and then he put the phone onto his mom and his mom was like, yeah, no, not real. I'm like, and I had like this whole like, argument with my parents i'm like how could you not could you not tell me santa wasn't real like that was a cool are, memory are, are you guys doing uh, are you guys doing that uh, passing that down are you uh, are you passing down the the realness of santa or are you guys going with the you know yeah the reality I, hit off the bat which i i know i only know one couple that's done that with uh, with kids 
I think I, I definitely. I think we're 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 going to do that, man, because I think it adds a little bit to the magic of growing up and before you become an adult and, and face reality and, and do all that stuff and life is what life is you know just <laughs> protect that that innocence i guess for as long as you can um but yeah probably probably won't wait until he's like nine or ten <laughs> probably just break the knees when he's like eight like sorry dude like you know he ain't real <laughs> yeah i um we're we're still debating on the whole uh the whole idea of that we we it's a it's a also like a cross-cultural multicultural thing we we spoke about it when i had uh, tara my wife on the show for the 25th episode uh, kind of party we had um we don't even know what to say where we're from anymore at this point we're so mixed it's so uh, like different backgrounds different religions different cultures different uh upbringings so yeah we'll, man, uh, for sure. we'll we'll have a, a christmas tree on eid and we'll have a santa for for Ramadan, we don't even know at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, like I remember, I remember at one point, like I lived here for so long that, like, you know, Ramadan fell over like Christmas. It was the weirdest thing. Like you're in school, so you don't really care. You get to go home to school early. So, but it was like, if I think about it now, I'm like, Ramadan fell over Christmas, and that's going to happen, you know, a few years down the line. How yeah. weird is that going to be? Like, you know, so it's all it's a, all mad. Man. A literal merging of both worlds. Yeah, man, for sure. I'm going to run through the comments real quick again. Cromwell saying, Serge Lutfi is a beast on the deck. Uh, Milton, uh, I never know how to say your full name, Milton. Um, <laughs> uh, we're, we'll talk about it when you're on the show. Milton is uh, not really a live sound engineer as a profession, but there's this one gig I had uh, at the old submarine club. Oh man, I remember that club. Uh, and he made it sound super proper with a shitty setup. Um, I remember that club. I did a video for Nerf Cell at that uh, at that club once. Uh, I, I don't remember what uh, what year it was, but it was super long time ago. Khal um, saying, Romario, uh, what's the thing you look for when you're mixing a band? As in, how can a band uh, make a sound guy's life easier? Can and you I still think, hear um, you by any chance? Yeah, I can still hear you. Because I can't hear you, so I don't know you if can't hear my me. end or... Do you need to do that restart thing again? could be on my end okay so I'm, i might just have to rejoin the call <laughs> all right um I'll, I'll keep going through the comments uh while we get uh romario restarted um apart from drummer not hitting the snare mic khalid i think uh, Ra, uh romario was saying that uh, one of the easiest things uh that makes it easier for for a sound guy is the um is the the band just knowing how to play their instrument uh properly which is uh which is i think uh, I I agree with. I mean, I don't know if are you back. Oh, he's he's not back yet. Uh, Milton's in the house. Romario Adnan, what's up, Milton? Thank you for tuning in. Um, uh, Rudy says I still believe in Santa because I do I do it every year for my family. That's amazing. Um, I'm working I'm working my way into into Santa territory uh, myself, and hopefully I could start I could start doing that as well. Uh, it's painful around Christmas time. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if, uh, I, I don't know if I could pull off the beard, but I definitely, uh, I definitely have the gut going. Are you back? Is Ram back? Yeah. Ram's back. What's yeah. up? Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was just uh, continuing to go through the comments. Milton saying Cromwell, uh, I was heavily involved in live between 2002 until about 2007. Um, I'm very excited to have, uh, uh Milton, uh, on the show very soon and, uh, to talk about 
those uh, those good old days and let's talk about uh, the scene back then as well it's been yeah. around for a long time yeah um, so many great sort of connecting stories i think as well which is which is immense i and i i this is this is one of the reasons i told you i i sound like a broken record but for real i i really love the idea that we can you know bridge a couple of gaps here and there and mm-hmm. make a couple of connections uh, through yeah. a platform like uh, like this and just sit down and have a conversation about what was and what isn't and what the future will be and kind of figure out where uh, where everyone can can take value from this and uh, as as creatives and as uh, musicians and artists in general but also uh, kind of give everyone that that comes to the shows all the people that come hang out and party and give them kind of a an, an access to what it used to be like or some some access to how hard it was to play that one show at el barrio you know like people yeah. just show up and 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 rock it they don't know that four days before that was k absolute chaos trying to find the right gear and right shit Oh man, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think people like severely underestimate how much effort and how much planning goes into putting on a on a on a gig, like even on a small scale, you know, like the promotion and and all that stuff. And then you're looking at technicals and you're getting your crew in, and especially with crew, man. Like it's like we're always the first ones in and the last ones out, you know. And it's 100%, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy, crazy vibes. Um. Uh, Adnan's gonna go broke during the holidays from Khalid. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Uh, Milton says, "Nice to see you, boys. Nice to see you too. Thank you so much for tuning in, my dude." Yeah, man, it's good um, to see you, dude. Uh, Rudy saying, "I am forty. Uh, JM, miss you, bro. Um, uh, you could still believe in Santa at forty. You, you are Santa at forty, um, and I'm I'm creeping right behind you, dude. We're not that far <laughs> off. Um, that's where that's where I'm trying to get my beard too. It's just uh, I just have a feeling it'll happen when it's white." <laughs> Uh, Judy's shouting out Ta'ifi um, Khan is saying Khal Tamimi uh, you're up for a new video uh, when a guest mutes him or herself uh, yeah I agree so uh, Ram if you don't know and people listening if you don't know if because of how much how many times I muted myself or muted the guest mm-hmm. uh, un- unintentionally up leading up to this point Khal um, Tamimi sent me a video of him basically yelling at me saying it's called unmuted uh, yeah, that yeah. I I play whenever I mute myself, and I for the last two episodes, um, I'm clear. Last two episodes, I've been clear. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been good in this one as well. Like uh, I think my laptop had frozen, and then like it disconnected my sound card and reconnected it. But it, yeah, yeah. So I just had to rejig a couple of things and get it back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wasam uh, is in the house. Saying, "What's up, Wasam?" Saying hello. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, yeah, man. How you and- How you doing, dude? Khaled saying, I think you're already Santa territory, bro. Thank you so much, Khaled. I I will take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, but to, to to wrap things up, uh, Ram, thank you so much for your time, man. I know what it's like uh, with with uh, the family and with kiddo running around and, you know, the, the fine line that we had before before going live. Um, yeah, man. yeah. It's, it's been a great conversation. But I, I did want to end with uh, your take what would be your advice i'd like to kind of uh, end it on this on this note um mm-hmm. from all the experience you've done touring with sepultura uh, playing your in your own band touring uh you know europe and and the uk um if if you were to give one piece of advice elevator pitch to an upcoming either sound engineer or musician what would be the one thing you'd tell yourself you know 15 year old romario just go out there and do it man practice 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 like it 
you know there's there's no substitute for it um and that's all part of the grind it's all part of getting better um and the more you improve the more doors open up for you for sure um yeah that's that that's uh, that's something I've, I've always stood by and will continue to stand by um because at the end of the day, at the end of the day like my drive is to be be the absolute best in whatever i try to do whether i achieve it or not it's a different story but without practicing without putting in the time um without making mistakes uh you know you're never going to get there you know and i've made mistakes you know as a musician i've made mistakes as a, as a sound guy but you know like you brush yourself off get back up and you keep going and i love that I, i think i think making mistakes is one of the most important uh, parts of of any uh like journey any path yeah You're, make yeah. a mistake fuck up I'd, I'd i always used to say like release that shitty demo release your your shitty poem whatever it is you're doing um because yeah, you're man. gonna fuck up and you're gonna learn from it well this is it man like it's uh especially and this is probably another piece of advice i i would i would have for for local musicians or, or bands and stuff just don't don't dwell on your on your music man write it release it you know write it record it release it because otherwise you're just going to be sitting on it and sitting on it and you're just going to be like well it's not um it's not perfect yet it's not perfect and at the end of it people want to hear your stuff man so the moment you get it out your system and it's released like it's on the on the interwebs forever so you let go man and then you start writing something new and uh yeah you just move on it's the art of art of letting go amazing amazing and with that sentiment Practice, practice, practice. The art of letting go. Learn to fuck up. Khan in the comments is saying, embrace failure. Um, Taif is in the comments as well. What's up, dude? We're just wrapping up. Thank you for tuning in. Anyway, you could watch the rerun soon. Um, with that sentiment, we end episode 28. I can't believe nice. it's already fucking episode 28. Yeah, you're doing a sick job, man. And, uh, you know, people are... I mean, you can, you can see off the bat, like, people are keen to hear these conversations as well, so... I'm yeah, very, uh, very thankful for the tribe, man. I think we got something going here. And I think, um, you know, the the conversation, uh, pinging back and forth is such an important thing. And um, I'm just I'm just very thankful for the tribe in general. These guys have been through thick and thin. And 28 episodes, even if it's just uh, the, the unmuted show, um, a lot of these guys have been with me since the vlogs and stuff. But even yeah. if it's just unmuted, even if everyone's tuning in now and, and starting to follow with unmuted, it's an absolute fucking pleasure man it's so cool and thank you thank you and thank everyone that's been on the show as well like you're taking what almost three hours of your day uh to, uh, it's all, it's all right when the kids are asleep man so <laughs> that's why it's 9 p.m by the way that yeah. this is why it's 9 p.m on, on my it, end i get it yeah but yeah it's um, been an absolute pleasure man thanks for having me on it's uh you know it's nice to it's nice to get the opportunity to chat about these things um you know because again like i think it's important for people to see that there are examples um you know i'm not saying like you know i'm like there or anything like that but you know again it's the mentality of if that guy can do it i can do it as well um you know and like i i, I know I, i'm a living testament of you know sort of overcome overcoming um sort of mountains and just kind of going out and doing the things that i love doing so yeah man if i can do it you can do it 
and and uh, uh, not not to keep dragging this, but you are that guy. You are the guy uh, that you know did uh, sound for Sepultura on tour, and I think stuff like this goes a long way for up and comers. It goes a long mm-hmm. way for people. You know, uh, we've had people on the show that that are just getting into SAE, eighteen, nineteen year old uh, yeah, kids man. trying to trying to start bands and stuff, asking us questions. So this mm-hmm. is this is part of it, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's all it's all conversation, learning through your peers. Like especially especially when you do something like audio, man. I think like my sort of um, technique to mixing bands is just like an amalgamation of all the engineers I've watched and their techniques. Like Va- Vander from Crisian, oh my god, like an insane engineer, man. Like when when he came out, the things he was doing, I was just like. I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. that. I remember that yeah. for sure. Um, well, we, we end with that, guys. Uh, embrace failure. Practice, practice, practice. Uh, Warren in the house is saying, uh, unless you're, you build parachutes, don't embrace failure. <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's not do that. Uh, good, good call, Warren. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Blast that uh, like button. Like just keep killing it, so so the algorithm pushes this video uh, out to the other people for the rerun, um, and uh, yeah, share it, share it with your friends if if you guys dig it. Uh, invite some people. We're very close to our six k goal, but uh, yeah, with that we end episode twenty eight. Thank you so much, Romario. Cheers, dudes. Thank you Shout so much, everyone, everyone, everyone in the comment. Th- thank you, tribe, and um, I'll see you guys on Saturday. We'll be announcing uh, who's coming on the show tomorrow. Peace.